Policy Working Group uh, at its slightly earlier time of 6 o'clock. Uh, we've had apologies uh, from Councillor Davis and from Councillor Oliver. Any other apologies? Councillor Lees has a meeting which is... Sorry, has a meeting which uh, is scheduled for instance at 6.30. She helps to join us. Okay. Well, we will make a start. Um, declarations of interest? I'll declare my usual one, Mr Chairman, uh, in that my wife is um, a volunteer and trustee at the Gardens of Eastern Lodge. And as a member of Essex County Council, Chairman. Uh, item two are the minutes of the last meeting. Are they an accurate record? Good. Well done. I don't know if that was you, Alistair, but uh, don't always get um, immediately signed off minutes. So that's, 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 that's great. Thank you very much indeed. Um, before we move on to item three, and I've got two speakers who want to, um, to, to speak to that item, and I think we'll take them first. I just wanted to say um, a very big thank you to officers for distilling uh, 6,000 comments down to just under 1,000 pages of text um, and in a pretty readable form. So well done for that. Um, and uh, also to put this in context, um, this is a pretty key part of the exercise. Uh, to do a consultation, um, it has to be meaningful, it has to be considered. And it, it, it will be considered, but it's, it's an iterative exercise. And I can think of four stages, but officers may correct me on that. Stage one we've already done because we've already had a consideration of the first round of responses. Um, this is the, the, the second round uh, consideration of the rest of them, and indeed the, the initial ones as well. Um, the third uh, iteration is... And out of this work, out of these responses, as we'll hear later, uh, much further study has been initiated. And um, the third iteration is when a combination of the responses uh, from those independent uh, experts who will be looking at various aspects, but also from uh, internal officer responses to some of the further points, that will come back to another planning policy working group in terms of those, those responses. And then the fourth iteration, of course, is when that starts to get put together in the Regulation 19 consultation. Have I got that right? So I think we need to put tonight in the context that um, this is part of a, a, of a process and the, all these very worthy points uh, will be uh, considered, to be fair, in greater or lesser measure. Some are more substantive points than others. Okay, um, without further ado, I will call upon Mr MacDonald on Agenda Item 3. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Ken MacDonald. I've lived in Uttersford for 36 years. Uttersford's draft local plan calls for a massive increase in population, around 43% over the 22 years plan covered by the plan. This is considerably more than almost anywhere else in the country. The fact that it is so extreme begs for greater scrutiny. Responses to Regulation 18 consultation have persistently questioned the housing need. 
Other responses have questioned the impact on housing need of the assumptions made about employment at Stansted Airport. For more than two years now, I have been calling for a clear statement of how Uttersford's so-called housing need has been calculated. I have also been asking that alternative methods of calculation be considered. The consideration of alternative, properly justified approaches is permitted under the National Planning Policy Framework and also under the Government's current consultation, Planning for the Right Homes in the Right Places. Despite repeated assurances that this local plan will be evidence-led and transparent, my requests have been rejected or ignored. I submitted a detailed and damning assessment of the Schmar, both in response to the 2015 local plan consultation and in response to the Regulation 18 consultation. In 2015, my multi-page submission was summarised in three words. Whilst I can find no reference at all to my updated multi-page objection to policy SP3 in this latest consultation. We are left with no audit trail and no consideration of alternatives. Each of these deficiencies will provide massive scope for argument when the final plan is considered by an inspector. Each of these deficiencies also leaves Uttlesford at risk of its plan again being found unsound. I end with a question. Will the District Council now commit to publishing the following four key pieces of evidence? A. A clear and auditable statement of how it has arrived at the total housing need for Uttlesford. B. A clear and auditable statement of how that need, need might be calculated if the exceptional period of airport-related house building early this century were to be discounted. C. A reasoned explanation as to why one of those options has been adopted and not the other. And finally, a clear and auditable statement of what has been assumed about future employment numbers at Stansted Airport and how that has influenced the forecast housing need for Uttlesford. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Hargreaves, is yours a similar subject? No, it's not. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll take that separately then. Um, Mr. Miles. Hello, is that working? Yep. yep. Thank you, Chair. <coughs> uh, in response to your questions, Mr. MacDonald, um, the first one on a clear and auditable, auditable statement of the uh, total housing need for Uttlesford, um, I would have to refer you to the strategic housing market assessments that have been produced. Um, they are the evidence base which supports the housing need for, um, for Uttlesford, and those are the documents that will be examined at, in the, the local plan examination. In response to your second question, um, a, statement, a clear and auditable statement of how that need might be calculated if the exceptional period of airport-related house building earlier this century were to be discounted. Um, if the need were calculated using different trend years, then this would obviously result in a different level of need. Um, however, the advice that we've had uh, in the form of the published SMARs and in the form of um, uh, the MPPF and the MPPG is that household projections published by the Department for, for DC, by DCLG should provide the starting point estimate for overall housing need. Um, and that the affordable housing the objectively assessed housing need that is set out in the Schmars is the best figure to be using at the time those Schmars are published. 
on, on your third question, um, a reasoned explanation as to why one of these options has been adopted and not another. Um, I'm sort of referring back to my previous answer in that government guidance and the professional advice that we've had um, in the form of the, the Schmars and the NPPG and, and all that is that the numbers that we've consulted on are the numbers that we should have consulted on. Uh, and on your final question, a clear and auditable statement of what has been assumed about future employment numbers at Stansted Airport and how that's influenced the forecast housing need for Uttlesford. <coughs> Council has recently published in October uh, a report on West Essex and East Hertfordshire assessment of employment needs, uh, which is the latest up-to-date work on employment forecasts. Within this report, a preferred scenario adds four major drivers to additional job growth over and above the moderated baseline so as to better align the labour supply and jobs in the plan. One of those drivers is the planned growth at Stansted Airport, which isn't in the moderated baseline, and that uh, adjusts the figure by a, by a figure of 6,750 jobs. Thank you. I think uh, two overarching points as well. One, you referred to the government consultation, and um, clearly we've had indicative uh, numbers uh, uh, based on uh, the calculation that they have put out to consultation. Um, now, they're not, uh, those numbers haven't been um, firmed up on the basis that they're based, based on a, 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 a way of calculating that they're consulting on, but nevertheless, it is, a, it is an indication. And material to that is that we had a visit from an inspector, as we do on a periodic basis, to make sure that we are on the right tracks. Um, the other um, party leaders were also present, and that inspector did um, indicate that, um, we were, that our numbers were appropriate and that we should be mindful of the higher number. Not necessarily in this iteration, but that we should be mindful of that number, as will all other planning authorities. So I think it, that, that does put it in the broader context, as well as the specific uh, responses that you've had from Mr. Miles. So I hope that's helpful. We, do take, we, we don't ignore all your points. We may not give you the answer that you want, but that's slightly different from not... There is a lot of consideration given, given to your questions, and we have looked again and again at these numbers. But as I say, they are now being set in a, in a broader context with government involvement and, 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 and the government becoming increasingly specific. Thank you. Councillor Hargreaves. Thank you. Um, my subject is uh, water supplies. Um, I'm going to emphasize some things that you already know, but there is a final point, so, so please, please bear with me. Um, we're all aware of the environmental damage already done in this district, uh, and I would say getting worse. We have streams now dry, our only intermittent flow and water-related life gone, and we used to have kingfishers in Newport. Um, Looking at the consultation documents, I'm sure you've all read all 900 pages of them. Um, page 296, don't bother looking, I'll tell you what's that. The consultation summary, uh, page 296, the Environment Agency, say that the water consumption standard for houses in the garden villages should be enforced 
via building regs at 110 litres per inhabitant per day. So that's the very highest standard of efficiency. That's not what's being applied to houses going up now. Multiplying by the number of people in the house by 365 days, that's about 100,000 litres per house per year. Now, to make the sums easy, if, say, we build about 10,000 houses across the district, that would mean another 1 million tonnes of water a year, an extra 1 million tonnes of water a year to be found. Around here, found obviously means mostly pumping it out of the ground. However, it's not just houses. Page 443, policy SP11 on Stansted Airport expansion. That's um, another 10 million passengers per year um, wanted. Again, the Environment Agency says failure to consider both water supplies and sewerage means the application for expansion will be unsound. Taking it down to basics, what do we all do before we go on a long flight? We're consuming water and whatever. Um, page 596. Environment Agency, again, the level of discharges from sewage works into watercourses is at its limit, is the phrase used. That's a euphemism. If you look at their maps from the Hyder report from seven years ago, the whole district is shown in red for over-abstraction. carries on. Additional permits may not be granted. It talks about breach of environmental legislation, absence of water cycle study. Again, it talks about unsound. Page 604. Again, our rivers are headwaters only with not enough dilution volume and permitted nutrient limits could be extremely challenging to meet. What that means is the output from our sewage works has biological material in it. That consumes oxygen, so the sewage works output is damaging our rivers. Now, what is not on any page in here... You've got 30 seconds to get to the point, Mr Hargreaves. ...is a submission from Affinity. I've looked at Affinity's documents from 2015. It looks to me like they would struggle to provide the water even without the level of development. So my point is this. The DCLG must already be aware that we have no water cycle study. I'm sure there's been discussions going on. But I'm just wondering if it sh we should be challenging them now and saying there's a significant possibility that Affinity water... The Environment Agency may say we, we just cannot do this and therefore Uttlesford has to say the same. And Maybe we should be saying to them now what would be their view, what would they enforce if we had to say, sorry, we need the number of houses reduced because it's not sustainable for water supplies to, do, to produce the number of houses that you're requiring. So that's my point. I'll, I'll start off, but um, Mr... Miles will uh, respond as well. Um, I mean, that, your, your point is not exclusive, obviously, to Uttlesford. Uh, this is a southeast uh, and East Anglia point um, in terms of capacity of water. As you'll know, having read the 963 pages, uh, that one of the key pieces of further work, and we'll hear more about it in a moment, is the water study. Um, and that's... Um, true of all the settlements, particularly actually Eastern Park, but, but all the settlements. So it, it is a very important aspect. Um, the government is, is committed to building a million homes. So uh, on the one hand, uh, 
government has a clear aspiration. Uh, on the other, it will be guided by the Environment Agency, but it will want to look to uh, larger solutions. So um, I don't think that we, we will be in a position to say, I'm sorry, we haven't got enough water, so we can't build as many houses. But I ask Mr. Miles for further clarification. Thank you, Chair. Um, Following the end of consultation and the receipt of representations from the Environment Agency, we initiated an update to the Council's water cycle study. Um, first meeting on this was in late September, and this was an inception meeting with the Environment Agency and all the water bodies, um, Thames Water, Affinity Water and Anglian Water, to look at their reps and look at how we could address their reps. They... Uh, set out that we needed to do a new water cycle study, which we are working on at the moment. The water cycle study looks at sewage impacts on uh, the rivers. It also looks at water supply, and it will also look at flooding as well, um, as a result of the in increased discharge into the rivers from the sewage plants and, and that kind of thing. Um, so this is an issue that we are alive to, an issue that we are seeking to address through the water cycle study, and we await its results. Thank you. So I will now call upon... So the way um, I'd like to handle this is, is to go through each of the chapters, some for greater length than others, because as you'll be aware by now, there is obviously repetition through, through the responses. Um, and... Uh, Mr. Miles will make a, a comment, sometimes longer than other comments, at the beginning of each chapter. There will then be an opportunity for members to comment, and then we will move on. Because I just remind um, members that uh, we are um, noting the responses at this stage in, in the context of what I said earlier about the iteration of, uh, of meetings. So, Mr. Miles, point three, the Uttlesford Local Plan Regulation 18 Draft Plan Consultation Responses. Sorry, is it possible to say which page we're on because page there's nine. so many of them? Page nine. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, so, I'll just start off with an overall summary of the report and what it's about. Um, Carbon report sets out the, um, summary, the summaries of representations that we received to the consultation over the summer. Um, as you've seen, it's a fairly weighty report, 900 odd pages, um, summarising just under 6,000 representations. Um, the structure of the report is that item 3A immediately following the Carbon report contains the high-level overarching summaries policy by policy, chapter by chapter, and items 3B to 3O contain the more detailed summaries, um, and finally item 3P contains the summaries of representations that we received late, beyond the deadline. Um, overarching summaries, policies SP 3, 6, 7 and 8 pulled through into the covering report. Those cover... Um, the policy on the scale and distribution of housing development and the three proposed garden communities and are obviously quite key policies in the plan. Uh, the representations raise a number of issues that the Council needs to address before the next round of consultation on the local plan. Paragraph 11 of the covering report sets out the additional evidence-based work that, has, that is being progressed at the moment, including the water cycle study that I mentioned earlier. 
Um, as you explained, Chair, the report only summarises the representations and does not yet propose responses to, uh, to the reps. The purpose of bringing this report before you today is to give you sight of the representation summaries and we will in the future be bringing them back, to, back before you with an officer recommendation as to how to respond to the issues. Um, I would also like to raise an email that we received uh, yesterday from Elsenham Parish Council. You should have all circulated a copy for you. Um, they've emailed us to let us know that they consider one of our, one of our summaries of their representations is slightly inaccurate. Um, and if you're all happy with us amending it to better reflect what they think it was, should refer to, then we'll happily change that. Um, and as you said, members are recommended to note the responses received with the consultation. Thank you. So this refers to page 597. I think you've all got a copy in front of you. Um, and the key words are those added at the end needed to correct the inadequacies in provision. Are you, and I understand Elsenham are content with... That's what Elsenham are Yeah. Are we all content with that? Yeah. We'll change that. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay, well, before I uh, open it to the floor, I think what would be quite helpful, Mr. Miles, is um, if you could just tell us a little bit. You, you referred already to um, the, um, the water um, study, uh, the further water study that we've commissioned. But in, in, in this um, chapter, there, there are also references to um, further work on uh, infrastructure, sport, historic impact assessment, minerals. Um, and um, it would be helpful, I think, to, for this group to be aware of the other further work that's been commissioned. Of course. Thank you, Chair. Um, so other work that we have ongoing as well is an update to the Council's transport study. Um, a number of representations we received make uh, reference to the impact on the transport network. And in particular, we received a number of representations from... Um, South Cambridgeshire District Council and Cambridgeshire County Council about the impact of the road net, impact of development at primarily at North Uttlesford on the road network in Cambridgeshire. Um, so we are working with them. We've had an, two meetings with them now to make sure that we are uh, that the evidence base reflects their concerns. Um, we are expecting uh, that to report sometime next month, most likely. Um, and yet we've got another meeting booked with them uh, next month to talk about with them again. Uh, other work we've got ongoing is... Just, just on uh, that, because we are, we are aware, and you may not be able to answer at this stage, but we are aware clearly there already is a problem in South Cambridgeshire, uh, particularly along the 505. Uh, are we aware, and what our responsibility is to mitigate the extra pressure that, if it goes ahead, North Uttlesford would put on, do we know of what Cambridgeshire County Council or South Cams or the Mayor or any other or Highways England, um, any progress in terms of what they themselves are doing to the 505? Um, part of the extra work that we're doing is some, some supporting work that could support a bid to upgrade the A505. A uh, in discussions with the, the County Cambridgeshire County Council, um, they are um, receptive to progressing another bid on the A505. They, they progressed one previously and it failed, but they, uh, they are interested in, in progressing another one. 
I think that sort of joined up work is extremely important. There's no point in us fiddling about with the odd roundabout in the context of a much bigger scheme. Um, and we're aware, of course, that uh, just over the border, the Wellcome Trust are, are likely to put in, we're aware they're likely to put in a planning application, quite a substantive one, they haven't as yet, but just further up the road, opposite the BP station on the 1301-505 junction, um, a company called Smithson Hill uh, have put in quite a substantive um, application for a research, agricultural research facility. Um, so it, it needs to be looked at in, in its entirety. Mm -hmm. Okay, Certainly. thank you. Uh, sorry, so had you finished your list of... Uh, no, I cut you off just to transport, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah. I, I can talk about a few more. Yeah. Um, so archaeology work, um, a number of representations uh, on the garden communities, particularly on, on North Hartlesford, but on, on all the garden communities, think that um, we haven't properly taken account of archaeology, potential archaeology on the site. Um, so we have commissioned work um, from place services to inform that. Uh, we're expecting that to report very soon. Further work that we've also commissioned is, uh, or about to commission, is on the full historic impact assessments. This will be informed by the archaeology work, um, and this is to update the brief historic impact assessments that we had previously done on the garden communities. We had a meeting with uh, Historic England last week, I think, um, to talk through, talk through their representations and understand how that we can address them through this full historic impact assessment. Um, Can I just ask you on timing on that, if it's as a consequence of the archaeological study? Mm. What, was, what sort of time for the...? Uh, we estimate it's, it's around a couple of months to complete. Um, so the archaeology work will feed into it. It's roughly uh, sort of end of February sort of time. Okay, thank you. Um, so other work, uh, just going down the list... Sports and playing pitch facilities work. We had a meeting with Sport England following their representations. Um, they and we have um, offered to do further work, no, not do further work, to commission a new sports and playing pitch facilities strategy. Um, this will be, work, be developed working with them um, and will take quite a long time to actually complete. They estimate that it actually takes around 12 months from start to finish. Um, but they say if we get started on it now and if we, um, if we involve them in the, in the drafting of policies following initial findings from that report, they will be content and not, uh, and not object to the next stage of the local plan. So we're working closely with them um, to develop that new evidence base. Um, do you want me to go through the whole list or is... Uh, th th those were the substantive ones th those that were mentioned in, in this particular chapter, but colleagues may wish to, to understand more. So probably, uh, hopefully the Sport England um, uh, will, will um, conclude, as, as you say. And I think that's going to be a very helpful piece of work because there was some scepticism about our, what was basically a list the last time we did it. So I think this is going to be a more comprehensive analysis to, to, to the satisfaction of Sport England and hopefully to the community as well. So that would be useful. But... Um, the most, um, well, it may not be the most substantive, but certainly the most time-consuming piece then is going to be around water. And we're looking there to have a, 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 a letter of understanding in terms of the same, same sort of principle of sport, that the work is underway, that it will, be, it will be delivered. That's right. We are exploring that with the Environment Agency right now. Good. Thank you. Colleagues, Councillor Lodge. 
Thank you. Um, it's it's um, an overarching sort of comment uh, here. You and, uh, in fact, the, all, all the members here understand the, uh, the tremendous amount of work that is going on <coughs> behind the scenes and often isn't, isn't visible. Um, and uh, members of the public will know that we have a, a, a wonderful new system now for, uh, for helping us to review and work on this 900-page document. And one of them allows us to put in search facilities and get every reference for, for that particular phrase. And we had a look at uh, one phrase, no mitigation measures or recommendations are proposed. And if you put that in, that comes up 58 times. Now, this is, this is rather presenting the view that We've seen what's been input, and we're, we're not actually proposing to do very much about it. I really don't think that we're presenting that in the, in, in the proper way, and I think we maybe need to reconsider how we, how we could show that we're listening to those comments and really intend to act on them on what's going to be an intensive year. So, Councillor Dean wants to come in here, I think. Well, I just wanted to come in. First of all, to say that uh, I found the layout of the documentation very useful, particularly the uh, overarching summary document, which then uh, was a kind of uh, pointer to getting into the, the depth of the documentation, which is deep, uh, as has already been referred to. But my understanding at the moment is that we have here, if you will, the raw representations. We don't have the Council's response at this stage because we're still in dialogue with each other and, and, and with other organisations. So maybe I, I misunderstood Councillor Lodge's point, but I think he was looking for answers and responses at this stage, but that will come next year. No, I, I, to be fair, I don't no, think no, he no, was. I'm, so. I'm looking at presentation. I yeah. think that possibly things are going on. I think maybe just say recommendation at this moment, but we've, we've really got to show that, that, that there's a massive workload to be done Right. And that we are, we are listening to what's being said. And, it, and it's, it's, uh, we, we've, got, we've got to not only do the work on the response, we've got to be seen to be doing the work on it. So I'll ask officers in just a moment to, to clarify. But, but um, of 6,000 uh, responses, many of which, of course, will duplicate each other, there will be some that uh, won't be pursued. Now, that may be the point, uh, or else it may be uh, that you're not commenting at this stage. We aren't proposing any comments at this stage. Uh, everything that is in, in these summaries is summarising what other what organisations and individuals have said. Um, so if it says uh, no mitigation measures are proposed, that, that is the view of the person making the representation, um, not the view of officers at, at this stage. Or, or I might have misunderstood your point. No, this, this, this is the comments that follow, following various parts of the, uh, of the, of the summation. The, the, these, these are the statements made by officers in response to the consultation. In fact, I, I'll get up some examples that my machine just turned itself I off. I don't think I so it. because there's no officer comment throughout the whole of the 963 pages. So we may need to take this offline to really understand what's being said here. We will get to that point um, in my scenario three, um, but, but not at the stage. I may, I may well have grossly misunderstood this, but let, 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 me, just, let, let me try and use this system to find, to find well, some... While, you, while you're hunting yeah. for that, any other, any other comments? 
Councillor Mills. Uh, yes, could I just ask uh, Stephen, uh, basically the infrastructure delivery plan update. Um, can you just fill in a little bit of what scope that's going to take? Because it's not only going to be roads, is it? Or I just basically want to know whether you're looking as far as schools, medical and everything else. Yes, um, it will be looking at all forms of infrastructure um, and what, how, they are, how they are needed to meet the development needs that are planned for in, or proposed to be planned for in the draft plan. Uh, it will include um, doctors, schools, roads, green spaces and, and, and lots of different things. Uh, can I just ask who that's been commissioned with and what the timetable for that is? Uh, that is commissioned with Troy Planning. Um, it, the timetable for that is towards the end of the evidence base because other forms, other parts of the evidence base have to feed into it. So, for example, the water cycle study, which looks at sewage treatment plants that are needed, that needs to feed into the, the IDP. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Can I just clarify, Chairman, the um, pattern that we're following tonight? I mean, Councillor Mills's question was about Chapter 8, and I got my first question on Chapter 3. So are we going to start... We are trying to stay by them. I, I think there might be a reference in this first no, chapter, but, no, but right. so, yeah, and not, this is the problem because this is an overarching chapter. It pretty much uh, oh, gives you freedom to introduce anything. So place. you yeah. can either do it now, or in the, we will get to each of the substantive <laughs> chapters later. I will wait. But, yeah, it, but you're, it's fair comment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, any any luck, Councillor Lodge? Yes, yeah, I found a whole lot of them. Just one of the earliest, one of the early ones is page 286. So at the end of that section, the, the, the heading is Proposed Mitigation Measures Recommendations, which I'm presuming is actions that the Council is going to take. And it says right there, the last thing on the page, no mitigation measures or recommendations are proposed at this stage. So that seems to be saying we've heard what you said, but we don't aim to do anything now. Or, as I before, am I totally misunderstanding it? I think this is due to <coughs> excuse me, uh, the slight difference in the way that different people have summarised, different officers have summarised the chapters. Some of them have um, uh, written this as a stock phrase, um, because at this stage we're not proposing any changes or mitigation. We, we, we will be. Uh, when, when we come to respond to the representations, um, but uh, others haven't. We have tried to keep the summarising consistent between the chapters, but the... the yeah, okay, I think I understand and see why that's a, a, a generic response, if you like. So it then, it then begs the question, which I'm sure the public will want to ask, is when, when do we get some substantive responses then to, uh, to points made? At a future PPWG, and of course they'll be published online, so... Um, there will be substantive responses, some of which will be contained in this work that you've just been listening to that's been commissioned. Not everything's been commissioned, so some of it will be done internally. But, uh, yeah. Now, whether we will be responding in detail to all 6,000 representations, I... We are proposing to respond policy by policy. Policy by policy, yeah, which should um, pick up all the points raised. Okay, happy with that, thank you. Good, thank you. Um, anything else on Chapter 3? Otherwise I'll move on to Chapter 3A, which is on page 19, and this is the overarching summaries of representation, Mr Miles. 
Thank you, Chair. So, yes, this is just an um, attempt to have a very short overarching summary for each chapter. This is around 30 pages, I believe, from memory, or maybe 50, um, and is, yes, just very high level, pulling the, the points through for each chapter um, and policy. Thank you. I'll, I'll kick off there. Um, there is quite repeated reference to the plan to take account of emerging and adopted neighbourhood plans and in the same context that uh, this will come out in due course. Can you just indicate how that will come out in due course? So, yes, we have been thinking about how to better take account of neighbourhood plans within the local plan. Um, we don't have specific proposals at the moment, but our thinking is that we could have an additional um, section within, within Chapter 3. Within, so within the, the strategic uh, chapter of the plan, um, we, should, we could have something uh, looking at neighbourhood plans in a bit more detail. I think that would be helpful. Good. Thank you. Councillor Parker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, I think very much this is what we would expect that residents in Uttlesford, like Uttlesford as it is, and on the whole do not want to see the scale of development we're looking at. But what the responses also tell me is actually these are people who haven't been following the work that this council has done, um, saying that we need a new school in Dunmo and more secondary education in Saffron Walden, um, sort of does indicate that they haven't realised that that will inevitably come with a new garden community or a large settlement or a large increase in these numbers. Suggesting there's going to be more traffic, well, that is inevitable. Um, and in the previous chapter in this one, you know, the issue of mitigating, mitigation is very important, but it's, it's got to be a bit of mitigation, it's got to be a bit of adaption. We've built 700 houses in Uttlesford last year, and, you know, it does happen. They're not going to all turn up there tomorrow. And I think that you know, we do just need as a council to keep, if you like, banging the drum that we are doing our best to get a plan in place that will have the necessary infrastructure, that will mitigate and adapt and overcome and improvise and do all that we can to stop the plan impacting too much on our settled communities. But um, the, the ever sort of present whatever of we don't need these houses when every day on the television you get some government minister saying we're going to build a million homes a year um, and I'm afraid a lot of them are going to be in Essex and what comes across here is the people on this are very passionate but they're also quite parochial because they don't really acknowledge that South Cambridgeshire is doing the same and East Hearts is doing the same and Braintree is doing the same and Chomps is doing the same on our borders so they're very rightly sort of putting forward objections um, but it's there's not very much looking at the bigger picture that people do actually need homes. I find that quite sad in a way. That, you know, that there are, apart from developers saying we're not planning for enough, um, everyone else is really saying not near me. And that is, apart from a few low voices, that is, is quite sad, but an understandable yeah. um, reaction to the level of development we're looking at. Well, bullet point seven does say some support for the plan. I'm not sure. Uh, in later chapters, there's specific numbers of opposers, etc., to some of the particular pieces. But um, 
the certainly the impression from the responses is that these the spatial strategy in terms of the garden communities not those people who are living nearby them we understand that but collectively across Uttlesford there is there, there, there's a general support for the, the, the way the plan is laid out it does come down to the detail any other Councillor Lachlan thank you uh, well, uh, still on page 19 uh, on point 11 um, somebody has said uh, the Regulation 18 consultation only took into account written comments rather than oral comments given at forums. This excludes certain groups of people. So I wonder, did you take into account what people were saying? Because not everybody perhaps would have written in their comments or email. So I just wondered if they were taken on board, given that we publicised these uh, you know, forums so that people could come along and information could be given and they could give comments. So is there any way that they have been taken into consideration? So we listened to the people who came along to the forums um, In terms of how they were taken into account, I, I'm, I joined the council in eight, on the 8th of August um, after all of the forums, so I'm not actually certain. So I think when you're conducting an exercise like this, it does have to follow a certain methodology. Uh, otherwise, you know, is it when somebody phones up the planning department or, you know, you open a consultation, you make it very clear how you respond. You don't have to respond by email if you don't have that facility. You can do it in uh, hard uh, copy version. So I think it's appropriate that um, the, 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 um, the responses are, have some kind of formula about them. But that, as Mr. Miles absolutely says, I mean, we're listening all the time, aren't we, to, to comments. Uh, but... It's difficult in terms of. This is very clear because this is a summary of the 6,000 responses. Uh, it is difficult to weight verbal comments, but nevertheless, you, you, you do take account of them. Okay, well, as long as that's made clear, because there obviously it is a concern because it's in the consultation, so I, I just wanted to raise that. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Councillor Mills. Um, it might be an idea when we do the next sort of forums and things that we put a book in for people to make comments. Let's just do that and then it solves this problem. Well, there were some, but I, I, you if, know, if, if we've we got, got forms, then they'll have been taken into account. Yeah, anything yeah. that was written and submitted, but I, we can I, do, I don't know if they I, were I all of them. The particular we comment like is that. around oral. That was, that was what uh, Councillor Lachlan was referring to. Anything that was written will have been taken into account. But, uh, but we'll make that particularly clear, I think, the next time. If I could just add something, um, another op option for dealing with this is where people are uncomfortable with writing things down, then officers um, can offer to take their to, to write it down for them, and we could use that as a way of taking representations in forms in the future as well. Okay, perhaps we could minute that, Alistair, so that um, both of those initiatives are taken forward at future forums. Thank you. Anything else on 3A? In which case, I'm going to move on to. Uh, Sorry, Councillor Lodge. 73, the next.
Um, I'm, I'm not sure we're heading down the right lines here, and, it, and I think the problem will probably be solved by the way that maybe as a government corporation operates at that. But I think I think that we shouldn't be looking here at relying on outside services, outside retailers to any significant degree. I'll make that comment now. I probably won't suggest we push it any further because it's going to, it, it, it will be overtaken by by other matters. But maybe just a comment for a moment on that. Which particular comment do you refer? It, it's under retail strategy, is it? I think the challenge there, of course, is that, um, as I know only too well from my Marks and Spencer career, um, shoppers will follow uh, where the best retail offer is. We're not going to be able to control that um, in a town uh, that eventually builds out, but clearly we're talking of many, many years in excess of 2050. Um, and shopping habits might be completely different by that time. They might be, um, the majority might well be uh, through the internet uh, as opposed to um, physical shops. So it's difficult to predict. But let's assume for a minute that, that, that the pattern doesn't change. Um, towns of that size will have an attractive retail offer. They will have supermarkets. They will have the major, the major retailers in them. Now, whether that attracts people from South Morden to go to them, that's perfectly possible. That, 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 we, we would hope that it would be two-way traffic. Of course, absolutely. But as I said, I'm, I'm happy to maybe let that drop yeah. in, that it will, yeah. it will be yeah. more relevant when we come to the design of the individual communities. Yeah. Sure. But then can I go on to the next one then, yeah. if I can get my system to work, which is on, to, to a degree has been covered, but on the, on, on the sports sports section. I, was, I think we were both a little bit shocked at a year to do the sports strategy, but it's obviously something we're going to review um, a number of times and probably at length over, over, over the next year. But, but I think one, an area where we have failed in, in previous policies is, is the requirement for, for sporting facilities in, in developments. And we, I hope we will be beefing that up as a part of the strategy, and I'd like to make that very forcibly. Yeah, and I think um, I, I'm sure that will come out in the strategy, but as a matter of principle... I'm, I'm absolutely with you in terms of having adequate sports provision. As you're aware, the funding of such is a challenge, um, and um, the, 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 the easiest route certainly is through 106, doesn't have to be 106, SIL or whatever model we're going to be using for the new garden communities, but through um, uh, developer contribution. So certainly each of the new... Um, Garden settlements will have superb sporting facilities, but we're very optimistic that so will Dunmo. And as you're aware, there you know the possibilities for things we can do in South Morden as well. So I think we have a reasonably good track record in terms of developing, but it, it's, it's a it's a constant challenge. And clearly, um, as we have an increasing um, population and as we have um, increasing interest, and we people are following the well-being agenda, then we need uh, we need more. 
wonder what um, the, the proposals might be for, for interaction on this so, so that members and the public can get really involved in that, in that strategy. I, I'm presuming there will be those opportunities, not just at the final consultation stage, but at the, uh, at the building stage. Uh, and I think that's true of it all, isn't it, in terms of uh, you, you know, the community centre that we're engaging with the appropriate people, the faith centres, the um, um, etc. You know, if you speak to the police, they believe they can help in the design of new communities in terms of making them safer for the public. So we, we would be failing in our duty if the consultation wasn't very extensive. But yes, sport is a, is a key issue. I, I think there's a difference between doing a strategy um, for a year, and we've answered the point uh, 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 about that, and it's right that it's a, it's a comprehensive piece of work. Um, but obviously, in the meantime, we continue to do what we can. And there are one or two initiatives that we, well, we announced. We've announced Carver Barracks recently, and there's a possibility that we'll be announcing something else very shortly. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep a focus on sport. Councillor Dean. Yeah, just to compliment what Councillor Lodge has said, and just to re remind you, Mr Chairman, I, I did have something to say about sports strategy at the um, last um, Cabinet meeting. I think it's important that the public is thoroughly engaged in the development of the sports strategy over the next 12 months. I assume that is the case, but I, I just like to emphasize how important it is that we engage with the, the people locally who know about these things and then in due course with people who live in the new places. Yep, well certainly Alistair will make a particular note of that in the minutes. Um, obviously very often the engagement is with the particular sporting bodies, so the rugby club will be pitching for their bit, etc. and so forth. But nevertheless, so we could, you can bring all that together. Councillor Mills. I think it was my understanding that the sports strategy is going to take a year because they're not only looking at what we haven't got, they're looking at how we're going to provide it. So it's actually got a much wider brief than the other headings and as such I think the intention is that they will engage with all the different parties to actually look at solutions in the plan. So within the 12 months we'll be moving to that point. Yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Anything else? Welcome Councillor Lees. No, no, we understand you had a previous meeting. We are on, unless there's anything anybody else wishes to raise, uh, we're now up to 3B, which is on page 73. If you're in hard copy form, but if you're looking at it on screen, I think it still applies. So, a few words from uh, Mr. Mars. Thank you, Chair. Um, just to remind you, Chapter 1 introduces the plan and there's quite a limited number of representations on this chapter. Um, the main issues that the reps highlight are, tend to be procedural ones and those, point, those making points about the sustainability appraisal. And we have in each of them, we have a box in terms of support, object and comment. Any points on this chapter? Okay, thank you. Noted. 3C, which is on page 103. This is spatial portrait vision and objectives. Four support, ten object and one comment. Fifteen responses out of a population of 88,000. Thank you, Chair. Um, just to uh, remind you, the... the 
The boxes relate to the headings that are above them. So that, that box about the 15 representation is on the general comments on the chapter. Um, as you go further in, you, you'll see that, say, the next on page 107, that we've also got one ref on paragraphs 2.1 to 2.3, say, and then quite a large number on 2.4 to 2.17. Um, so, as you said, Chapter 2 sets out the spatial portrait vision and objectives of the plan. The main issues raised by, in representations to this chapter, um, they, they question... <coughs> excuse me. Um, they question how the, the aims in the chapter will be met um, and the representations here seem to, seem to relate to all aspects of the plan from transport to affordable housing to green spaces to any, any other kind of issue. Good. Thank you. Comments? You're on the next chapter. I mean, clearly, I, I think there's a, there's a point of explanation uh, required, and I'm conscious that the, um, the discussions around the garden communities are normally um, directed at the neighbouring communities, and there's possibly a, a, a message here that we need to get the broader understanding of what's going into these communities across to a very much wider audience. So I think we could make a note there, Alistair in terms of continuing um, requirement for explanation as well as consultation. Okay, if there are no uh, other points on that, um, Chapter 3D is around the spatial strategy and it starts on page 129. So just to introduce this one, this is, as I said, the spatial strategy includes the main strategic policies of the plan, um, including scale distribution, scale and distribution of housing growth, provision of jobs, policy for managing development at Stansted Airport and policies dealing with the garden communities. Unsurprisingly, this chapter received um, by far the largest number of representations, uh, most, of these representa most of those representations being directed at the three proposed garden communities. Um, the representations on the garden communities raise a number of issues from uh, coalescence with nearby existing communities to transport impacts on nearby roads, to impacts on heritage assets on the site, to any, a lot of other issues as well. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Yes. Thanks, Chairman. Yeah, I've, I have several points on this. Perhaps I'll take two, three, and then see if somebody else wants to come yep. in. That's fair. Rather than going through all of them. The, the first one is various references between pages... 213 and page 219 about our um, engagement with um, Cambridge and I know reference has already been made to this earlier in the meeting but you know there are comments about Uttlesford perceived to have only paid lip service to cooperation and, and various other comments like that so it, it just seems to me that we we need to work hard at getting the message over to the public that uh, we are properly engaged with them now and that uh, whatever was or wasn't the case in the past is, is no longer that. And I, I pick up one comment that um, appears, certainly page, 
appears on page 213 and probably somewhere else because that's a summary list where it says Uttlesford could adopt more of a leadership role with these adjacent authorities. And I'm, I, I, I really I raise that point uh, just to get, I guess, get assurance that you know, we're not um, waiting for Cambridge to, to decide what they want to do, but that we're pushing them along the road of things that we think are necessary. In other words, we are providing a leadership role or not a fellowship role, if I can put it that way. I'm sure I know what the answer is, but I think it's worth yeah. somebody just responding well, to Well, again, that. I'll let officers refer to this, but um, they're not in our Schmar area, and obviously Councillor Barker has been doing a lot of very detailed work uh, with the Schmar partners, um, and obviously with Braintree, because we have a coalescent uh, development. But um, we are now engaged heavily with Cambridge. Cambridge is not a single body. Um, there's South Cambridge here, which obviously is the uh, local district council, but the city of Cambridge are also relevant. And you might be interested to know that the city of Cambridge and South Cams will be producing a joint local plan next time, so they'll be working very closely together. There's then the combined authority. There is then the mayor who has responsibility for infrastructure, which obviously many of the comments are around infrastructure. And then there's Cambridgeshire County Council, which is the highways authority. So we're engaged with all of those bodies, but you're absolutely right, Councillor Dean, this must continue. I'm pleased to report that um, South Cambridge and the City of Cambridge are visiting the site at North Uttlesford in the new year, in January. Um, so that will be part of the uh, engagement. Um, but um, they, South Cambridge, well, certainly two out of those four bodies responded to our consultation. So we're very much in dialogue with them and, as you've heard, um, are working in partnership on some of the responses around highways in terms of the work um, undertaken. So absolutely, it, it's, it's imperative that we, we work we closely engaged with Cambridge, not least on top of that for what I described of some of the other activity just north of the border, which we will have an interest. We will have an interest in development of Wellcome Trust and Smithson Hill as well. Right. The um, second point um, comes back to the, um, the topic that uh, Mr. MacDonald uh, spoke about, and there's lots of uh, comments here about housing numbers and how they're derived and uh, how they're excessive or not, as the case may be. Um, and one thing that occurred to me is that you know, whatever, whatever number we are aiming for, and it's 14,100 at the moment, might change. Are we, are, we, are we building in some sort of margin to take into account, let's say, that some developments don't proceed as quickly as expected, so we can plug the gap from elsewhere? Can, can we devise a plan such that we can have... Um, certain developments in reserve or if once in the plan can they all go ahead when they want to go ahead. In other words, it's all about timing and phasing to, uh, and, and what, whether, whether we're working on techniques to, to manage uh, the, the delivery over the coming 20-odd years, whatever it is. So, uh, uh, is it Mr. The number that we're still working to is 14,200 um, and um, clearly the inspector who's already indicated that 
if he was the inspector who finally came, um, would uh, want to be reassured without, about that number with a, with a, with a look towards the 16,000 figure. Um, they would want to be reassured that, that there was some certainty around those 14,000. So it's a, it's a fair point, uh, Councillor Dean, but Mr. Miles? Thank you, Chair. Um, this is something that we are looking at as, as a result of the representations. So yes, a, num a number of them have suggested that in order to um, build flexibility into the plan, we could consider um, effectively over-allocating to uh, the housing number. This would mean that if a site uh, was delayed or for whatever other re or reason we wanted to refuse it because the application that actually came in wasn't good enough and didn't meet our standards, that would give us a buffer of other sites that would still be able to come forward and we'd, such that we would still be able to meet our housing target. So yes, that is something that we are considering uh, at the moment. Third one? Third, third one it takes me to page 249 where there's a lot of discussion again about five-year land supply and somewhere in here there is a comment about garden communities um, garden communities potentially squeezing out small builders um, and it, it did occur to me or really I think it, it, it's something that I think we need to think about is there are there methodologies, delivery methodologies, whereby one doesn't just end up with the large national builders? And just to mention that uh, I recently attended a, um, a conference on uh, community-led housing schemes, which can vary in size but might be more um, better delivered by smaller builders. I don't know. But are, are we getting our head around that sort of thing to, to at least take into account uh, that point about delivery by smaller as well as larger builders whilst at the same time maintaining the standards of and quality of yeah. build that we want? So, uh, did, did you want to come in on this? Uh, Councillor Mills, did you want to come in on this point? So, take those two and then whatever points they haven't raised, officers, you can perhaps pick up. So, typically... Um, a, a large settlement such as the three that are being proposed would work to a master plan. There would then be a subdivision within that, so uh, parcels of development building to the master plan would be allocated to different um, building companies, most of which I would have thought would be fairly substantive. Uh, but uh, there would be some room for smaller builders, and obviously there's the day-to-day -day planning applications that's coming in all the time that uh, smaller builders uh, are, are involved in. But Councillor Mills and then Councillor Barker and then uh, whichever officer wants to respond to this one. I mean, you've partly answered the question, but um, I think uh, the inspector is going to look for the plan to be robust, and I think that's the key word. So we're going to have to have this uh, either over-allocation or something that actually gives us that flexibility. So whether it's through delivery numbers or whether it's through the continuation of the existing supply line, which at the moment, as you say, last year gave us 722. So, you know, if that continues, then we do have a, another sort of number supply to actually rely on, and that's going to be our backstop. So I know it's something that Stephen and I have been discussing, and uh, it's something we'll be looking at. Thank you. Susan? Um, yes, it was really that 
there will still be planning applications. We will have a planning place, but there still will be planning applications, whether it's some, somebody's back garden or you know, a small brownfield site from the, the register we're putting together. Um, but we are forgetting that of the 14,100, A, a lot have been built, B, a lot have planning permission, and these garden communities within this plan period are looking at providing around 4,000. There are still 5,000 or so that have planning, or 4,000, that have extant planning permission. They are on big sites, little sites, medium-sized sites. Um, yes, this is concentration, or appears to concentrate, and all these on the garden communities, but we forget all these other sites, whether it's Elston or Newport or Dunmo or anywhere else, that have planning permission at the moment. And those will be developed as and when those landowners feel like it, hopefully in accordance with our plans, but we need those to bring on the supply because we know perfectly well that these garden communities, if they progress, are not going to be with us for three, four, five years. So there's, you know, there is, I think there is going to be jobs for the small builders and uh, you know, I have great problems in, if you look at the quantum of proposed development across the southeast that there's actually enough people of any description to build the sorts of numbers of houses we're talking about and I think that's going to be far more of a challenge Officers to add? Yeah, I'd like to just make some comments on uh, Councillor Dean's um, they're not working Yeah, um, the point about affordable housing, and um, there, there, there is this is an issue which we're starting to um, look at in more detail, uh, which is the, the sort of strategy, the housing strategy, affordable housing strategy. Um, there's great potential in these new communities to um, provide for all kinds of types of affordable housing. Um, given that the, we've got a 40% policy for affordable housing, and um, so that could provide for many thousands of houses in, in the long term in these communities. So um, um, issues like, uh, as you mentioned, community-led housing, we, could, we can start to think about how we build that into either policy or some supporting advice. Um, Self-build is another area that we could build into policy or um, supporting um, text. So all these sort of new initiatives that are um, coming forward, we've, I feel that we've got the potential to um, start to address them in quite an in innovative way through these garden communities. And, and uh, as you rightly say, we'll be... Uh you know, we're pretty diligent about our 40%. It, it, I was interested to hear uh, what had gone on in, um, um, in London in terms of buying your way out of that, but uh, it certainly doesn't happen here. Um, but in addition to affordable housing, which, as you know, is basically 80% of market rent, uh, we're very keen to develop a model, possibly through the community-led housing schemes, whereby those rents are below that, that they, 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 are, they are within a, an affordable to most people category. Um, and uh, that's, that's also part of what um, the team, team are looking at, because um, whether it's um, council houses that are gifted to the council through the arrangement with the developer. So there are a number of possibilities of doing that. But it's, you know, clearly a mix of housing is pretty crucial. 
Councillor Lachlan and then back to Councillor Mills. Well, you've partly answered that because I was going to ask about social housing yeah. and perhaps land that might be allocated yeah. to a housing association. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, affordable housing is fine, but you can't define affordable, but we do lack council properties. Yeah. So I, that's really what I wanted to ask. Yeah, but obviously if it goes to a, a, a housing association, it is likely to be 80% of um, market rent. So we'd be looking to have probably council houses um, and there again it would need to be based on a model of affordability so that would be in the long-term stewardship fund uh, because uh, you know for the council as a whole it is difficult to uh, to retain a model that that, that, that drops below um, the 80% rent in terms of the HRA account as you probably are well aware of. Uh, Councillor Mills then back to Councillor Dean. Um, two points. One, um, the target of 300,000 houses. As such, it's estimated that we've only got enough builders to build 150,000 of those at the moment. So I don't think anybody's actually going to be running out of work in the short term, um, was the first point. And the second one, yeah, I mean, social rent at 60%. Um, we're going to have to look at that as, as a part of these packages, uh, whether it's funded through stewardship or through some other way. But uh, there are multiple options for this. So uh, going forward, it's things that we're looking at. Good. Councillor Dean. Yes, just to add to that, that uh, we learned at the conference that I've referred to that um, housing can be organised by local community groups and, and, and run by them and therefore they first of all I think would not therefore be subject to right to buy were they to which they that would true. they belong yep. to the council so I think we've got to be very innovative to maintain our, our youth social housing stock as a, as a term. Can I just pick up one more item which is about um, capturing land value yep. Uh, this is a, a topic that I know has been discussed with potential um, developers and the, it, it seems to be a subject that uh, is not f fully understood yet um, and certainly reading through here I picked one up on page 293 by CPRE Essex where they're sceptical about it. I think I read elsewhere that um, Great Chesterford Parish Council is sceptical about the, the mechanism so I, I, I think it's something that we not only need to fully <coughs> grasp ourselves but need to communicate out to the publics to, to allay these concerns that we are, if you will, selling them gone communities that won't be delivered because the money won't be there to make them happen. It's pretty central to the whole model. Yeah. Without that, we ain't got a scheme. So, <laughs> absolutely vital. And uh, as you'll be aware, the government has gone up to consultation on development corporations. Uh, within it, it talks about 100 million per corporation, which in, the, in, in the, you know, our three schemes would not be a lot. So, that uh, consultation is very important. Uh, the consequential um, legislation, uh, they've got, they, they've got uh, the outline legislation, it's just the... Um, uh, the detail that uh, they've got to take back to the House, finding time to get it through the House of Commons is another challenge. But anyway, so there's a lot going on around development corporations, but that's not the only show in town. There are other, there are other opportunities, and as you know, um, Mr Payne is doing a lot of work on this, um, and um, certainly in the new year we will start to indicate what... Uh, 
alongside the outcome of the consultation and the government's response to the consultation, which will be very material, um, that how, we would, uh, how we would go forward. But, but guaranteeing um, the infrastructure, both internal and external, and, and the stewardship fund in perpetuity is absolutely centric to this. It is absolutely vital. So, point well made, but we, we fully support that. Um, you all have been present at the two meetings with Grosvenor and Land Securities. Yep. Um, we didn't sign any contracts, but nor did we get a pushback from those two developers who recognise uh, that these are going to be done on garden community principles or they won't be done at all. So, um, yes, the first quarter of next year will be a very important time in terms of making that happen. Do you want to give somebody else a go and then come back? Mm. Councillor Lodge. Yeah. Sorry, are we on to SP5 now then? Is that within the... I'm not quite sure how far we've galloped we're ahead. No, we're, we're still on 3D uh, between pages 129 and 462. Which is in the which SP5 is in there. So I've yep. got one or two. Like, yeah, yeah. Can I, I'll come back to some of the others, but if I could pick up there, as Councillor Dean's particularly brought that one up, yep. I think that as we've seen that um, government policy is changing extremely rapidly here, yep. um, and I think then as a result of that, SP5 as written is 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 very much out of date. Um, I think that government now sees formal development corporations as the way forward um, and not, not the sort of development corporation that we've just set up, but, 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 but proper um, models of development corporation which will take responsibility for areas of land for, for new community. So we need to get this into, the, uh, into Reg 19 and obviously we're following what's, uh, what's going on. Um, I would, I would like to propose that officers immediately investigate the process for establishing what is a real new town development, a real development corporation, and come back to the next PPWG with some very concrete proposals on that. Well, it's, it's, it, it, it sort of has been proposed already because how, how we model this is, is, is how we model this is centric to, to, to the whole proposal. Indeed. And it, it, is, it is slightly difficult, Councillor Lodge, in view of the government consultation. We do need, so we do, there's no point in suggesting something that the, the government then, their recommendation or their um, um, legal requirement is, is out of line with what we're doing. So uh, we, we, we've got to take that into account. Um, but as I said earlier, um, how we deliver this is being worked on as we speak, taking legal advice on it, making sure that it's... We, we all have the same objective of making sure that um, these developments are... The, the full range of facilities... Now, full range is an interesting point because I think we could do the easy ones. We could do the schools, the community facilities, the medical facilities, the open spaces, the employment land, the places of worship... But, you know, are we talking about a concert hall, um, an Olympic-sized swimming pool? Maybe, maybe not. So, so clearly there'll be some grey areas as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't think we need to tell officers to come back to the next PPWG. Mr. Glenday would like to comment. But, um, but the point that we've got to have a plan is absolutely taken. Yeah, yeah, we agree with that. <coughs> Excuse me, thank you, Chair. Um, just, just, to, just to clarify, as you said, work is underway. 
separate piece of work is underway in terms of delivery options. Um, that's very clear. It's important to recognise that for PPWG, PPWG's role is to look at the local plan and the policies. What we'll be looking at are separate, separate governance arrangements for agreeing the delivery vehicle. So I would say that we wouldn't be bringing that back to PPWG, but that certainly will be coming back to members in a different format rather than this process. So that just seems to be told. You, you, you're saying that that, that, that that method of implementation is not coming to the PPWG? What he said is that PPWG is set up to look at planning and you're talking about governance. So it, it is a different piece of work. That isn't to say that it won't be done in public, that it won't be given a full airing. Whether it's an appropriate route to take it through a, what is essentially a planning route, this is, this is looking at the local plan. It's not talking about the governance of the local plan. So if you look I, at the terms of reference I of the I think that is so intimate to what we're doing. It's absolutely integral to the work the work that we're doing here. I, I, I really strongly object to it not being part of this agenda. It will be part of the Council's agenda. So I don't think we need to split hairs on this one. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, members have got to decide on the way forward. It has got to be discussed in, in public, transparently, so that everybody understands where we're going. Um, it, we, we just need to choose the right vehicle. But what, yeah, what will be the process? Here we, we have a group that's looking at the big picture of the I mean, plan. this isn't a decision-making group anyway, to be fair. So we're looking, we're, 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 we're looking at the process, which is exactly what we're doing now. So we're do, what we're doing now is exactly what this group was set up for. Um, in, in terms of how do we deliver, uh, the delivery vehicle is a, is a, is a different question. So what, of it's related, what forums will that related. be discussed at then? Sorry? Are you saying that's only going to come to full council or it's going to be decided by cabinet and presented? Is, if, is there not a body that's going to be able to work on the formulation of those development corporations, should there be that, uh, discuss them, refine them? Um, what is that body? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, as Chair said earlier, uh, Simon Payne, we've got Simon Payne, one of our consultants, who's looking at the whole delivery vehicle mechanism and the various options of, around that. Um, he's, he's currently working on potential governance arrangements for members making that decision. But it's, it's important to recognise that the PPWG is looking at the local plan. The local plan itself doesn't determine the delivery vehicle itself, the delivery mechanism, so whether it's a local-led company, whether we do it through some other format. That's not for PPWG and the local plan. But as, as the Chair says, they're, they're clearly linked but it's actually important that we separate the two processes so that one isn't being led by the other. We need to make the two separate decisions on planning policy. Sorry, I don't delivery. see your logic for making it two separate processes. It's an intimate part of the process. Well, I can't accept that. Well, yeah. okay. Um, let us wait to see what Mr. Payne is proposing in terms of the, um, the member delivery vehicle. But we do have to be clear about what the terms of reference for this group were, which is about planning, not about a delivery vehicle. We understand that um, they do obviously um, come to a similar point. Um, and rest assured, we, this won't be done behind closed doors. Nothing in this plan has been done behind closed doors. Uh, but I think we should just give Mr. Payne some, some time just to work out what the best model is. Just, just to come back on fundamental principles, Councillor Mills and I were at, uh, at TCPA session yesterday and uh, it, it was 
pretty obvious and presented us quite forcefully that, that uh, whilst the government is no, I'm not going to say tinkering, but I could, the, the government is working on the current arrangements for development cooperation, but the legislation is there already. Outline re legislation. No, the legislation has been, as the existing legislation going back decades is there, which allows for a development corporation to take on an area of uh, new town uh, development. That's there, including the compulsory purchase. Yeah, you're going needed. back to Welling Garden City and Letchworth. What the government is consulting on now is how you apply that uh, on a more regular basis. Indeed, uh, and it, ownership it's a and, and debt. Yeah, it's a further it, yes. iteration to where they mm. were. So the, the, the old new town, as in Harlow and places like that, is being refined. And if you want to make a comment, uh, Councillor Mills, but, um, but as I said earlier, there, 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 there is no point in us coming to a conclusion if it's not in alignment with what governments are going to stipulate. Indeed. But um, we, will, um, we will make it quite clear what the vehicle is that where we consider governance. So... We understand the point, and Alistair will minute that. But. Okay, if I just say, I am, I am concerned that it's yeah, yeah. not coming here. We've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Councillor Mills. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I understand the point that uh, Councillor Lodge is making. I suppose it's the fact that we're going to need variance in the delivery vehicles for all of the three options we've got. Um, and it's going to be integral to their delivery that they're going to meet certain requirements that you are asking them to do. And that, therefore, leads you into governance. And it, we, we can't have one thing without the other to a certain extent. So I think uh, what Councillor Lodge is saying, that for the Reg 19, we want to see that those instruments are in place. So we're looking at a, a formalised governance arrangement. And, and so however we deal with that, between ourselves or, or in public, that has to be sorted out as part of going forward. So. Okay, good. Anything else on um, Councillor Dean? Yep. The specific one on page 320, there are probably more than one reference to it, but it's about it's a comment from Great Eastern and Tilty Parish Council about the access to the proposed uh, Eastern Park development, you know, where it says there's only one access. Uh, now, I, I know that things may have moved on a bit since, since September when the consultation was carried out, but I, th I do think it's important that... I think there are two things about it. One is that we would not end up with a, a new settlement with only one road, and secondly, thinking about the... Um, the, the plan, the outline plan at the moment, which shows um, a transport link from the airport to Little Eastern. It looks, it looks as though sort of Little Eastern's on the end of an umbilical cord connected to the airport, but they can't get anywhere else. Now, I know that's not what's meant to be proposed, and, and my, you know, my view is that we should be aiming for a new sustainable transport link all the way from Bishop's Ford to Braintree. Uh, that goes through Eastern Park and other places further east. Um, but I, 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 I guess my point is oh, we, we're going to address that and, and we're going to have ideas which um, assuage people's concerns about the access to Eastern Park. What do you want to see? Oh, Mr. Mills? Miles? Thank you, Chair. <coughs> Yes, that is something that we are working on at the moment. Um, I'll, I'll take your points in reverse order. 
Um, so with regards to the transport link from the airport to Eastern Park, we are looking at, um, well, sorry, North Essex Garden Communities have looked at transport links from west of Braintree uh, Garden Community eastwards towards um, Tendring. We are looking at what additional work we can do to extend that uh, rapid transit, public transport link from west of Braintree through Eastern Park to Stansted. So that's something that we are looking at at the moment. Um, with regards access to Eastern Park and there being only one access, that's something we are working with, um, talking with land securities about uh, and running, and when we run the transport model, working out what the most appropriate way of, of accessing the development is. Um, uh, yes, so we're, we're still working that through. Council Mills. <clears throat> Just to uh, qualify that a little bit, the existing access proposed for Eastern Park going into the development is dual carriageway both ways. So to a certain extent, there's a little bit of um, leeway in the fact that if something happened on one, we can, you could flip to another. And when the numbers get up to the higher levels, they're also proposing, as I understand it, another interchange probably further down the line. So both of those will come under the master planning that is being done at the moment. Good, thank you. Anything else on this chapter? Two more quick points, Mr okay. Chairman. One is um, pick it up on page 334, which says that um, more transparency is expected from UDC. Now, that's been raised already. We hold these meetings in public, and as you said earlier, Mr Chairman, you know, we're not making secret decisions behind closed doors. Uh, all I'm, I'm raising it now because it, it has been an issue in the past, and I think we keep keep needing to do all we can to um, change the public perception where it still remains. And one thing that I, I think would be helpful would be that um, we've, been, we've been encouraging the promoters at the garden settlements to get out there and talk to the public. It seems to me that at this point in time we ought to be doing it jointly, in other words, that the council is taking part as well, that we can be seen to be out there talking to the public and engaging with them, hearing, helping them to shape it and hearing what they have to say, rather than, you know, as happened a couple of months ago where um, Grosvenor, was it, held, held a, an exhibition in Great Chesterford all on their own. Um, I, I, my personal view, anyway, is that it's time that we worked alongside them. You know, if, if any of them falls by the wayside, well, so be it, but uh, because we haven't decided finally, but I, it just seemed to me from a point of view of transparency and openness and involvement, we, we should get stuck in with them. Yeah, we have to be slightly careful, of course, because we mustn't be indicating predetermination. They are only proposals at this stage. Um, so, but I, yeah, this point has been raised before, so we'll take that away and make sure, as long as we're within the letter of the law, that we... We, we do do that. But in terms of um, in the new year, uh, the absolute intention is to have another round of, because obviously each of the sites has been progressed during the autumn, and it's absolutely appropriate that at two levels, I think, both at parish council level, that uh, there's a tripartite meeting that we've had in the past between the um, 
the, the, the local parish council, Uttlesford and the developer, uh, and also to take that to an, an exhibition. So that, um, and I know um, the developers are starting to talk about um, design weekends uh, in terms of bringing the community in to start to shape some of the thoughts on, it's not a blank canvas, but in, in terms of, of um, uh, what, uh, to ensure that uh, you, you know there is community feed into the to the overall look and feel of the development, so all of that in in, in sort of two or three different columns of activity uh, will need to carry on um, at, at at all times. But I've also written down information for everyone. I mean, it's lovely to see uh, members of the audience here, but you can count them on two hands who are here there might be some people listening in I don't suppose many read the minutes so in terms of what is generally going on I think one of our New Year's resolutions is to, to make sure that the much wider community uh, is aware of what is happening how it's happening and when it's happening and finally on this chapter I'd just like to I guess, stick my head out and probably get it chopped off by Councillor Lachlan on my right. Um, in, on page 439, there's um, uh, a representation by Birchhanger Parish Council where they're saying how important it is to maintain the Metropolitan Green Belt, which, of which um, Birchhanger is in the middle. Um, I do remember reading somewhere that there's, um, there was a representation from East Hearts Council, which asked whether we could adjust the green belt on the southern side of the A120, where between the A120 and um, Home Base and the, what used to be a good list nursery site, so that they can expand their commercial area. I don't have a firm view on it at the moment, but all I'm, I'm raising it now as something that I think we should just look at to see whether it made sense or whether it doesn't make sense. Yeah, sure. And as you know, we've discussed at this, um, at this meeting, which was then endorsed at Cabinet, that we're very protective of both our countryside protection zone and our green belt. Now, if it's a minor little adjustment to take account of um, something that is either appropriate or happening anyway, I don't think that's a, an intrusion into the green belt, but, but substantially the green belt we, we take very seriously. Um, you remember there were a couple of minor adjustments when we took it through, but um, it didn't materially affect the, the green belt. But we should be aware, and Councillor Lachlan will know this because she was at the same meeting that I was, uh, that the development in North Bishop Stortford is now impacting on Farnham uh, and that road. Now, uh, Councillor Lachlan and I, we had a very productive meeting actually, and my understanding is that the dialogue between East Hearts and Farnham Parish Council is positive. Um, it's, uh, they're continually updating uh, each other, so we must make sure that that continues. But that, yes, East Hearts are getting quite close to us and, and impacting upon us. <coughs> Councillor Lachlan? Well, he's right. I will chop his head off. Um, I believe, and I know this council has always believed, that our green belt is sacrosanct. Once we set a precedent and we start building on it, then uh, it, 
it will do exactly that. It will set a precedent. And other people will come along and say, well, you did it there. We already had a planning application some time ago that encroached into the countryside protection zone. And I wasn't very happy about that and didn't feel I could vote for it because it was a policy that was hard won. And uh, that, again, I also think that around Elsenham, they have quite a lot of the countryside protection zone, which is one of the um, reasons that uh, the Elsenham development that was planned some time ago failed and the inspector said that so I really think that it's up to us to protect our countryside protection zone and also our green belt and I certainly will be lying under the bulldozer if anybody tries to stop that Okay, Councillor Lodge Thank you, yes, it's a very much, just a broader point on that which is, I'm on to SP10 now on uh, what page are we, 436 uh, and that's the more general 436 SP, SP10 we're talking about, so yep. the generally on development in the countryside. Uh, this effectively repla replaces uh, S7, and that's something which Councillor Lockett and I love to, to a great de degree and has been, has been extremely successful in uh, planning applications. I feel in SP10 we've watered it down and I would like us to look at this again. It's probably not appropriate for us to discuss it in detail at this meeting, but again, it's something I'd like to say, go back to the office and see if we can build in the S7 protection that we have at the moment. Agreed. Having said that, 92, 92 out of the 133 supported the policy. Only 25 objectives. Well, I think you can say as far as it goes, they probably haven't read S7 and understand how far that goes and how powerful S7 has and can be. Are you saying, are you saying the be. residents of Uttlesford, not R for you, but the, re <laughs> the residents of Uttlesford are not smart enough to realise what's been changed? Yes. Uh, no, I didn't say that, no. But there might be an element of that. We'll have a look at it. Thank you. Any other points? There are 79,000 who didn't contribute, one could argue. Okay, well that's quite a good airing on um, Chapter 3. Um, chapter 4 is Housing, starting at page 463. Mr Miles. Thank you, Chair. So, Chapter 4 looks at housing, as you say. Um, <coughs> Representations to this chapter of the plan um, raise issues and express opinions around the appropriate density and mix of schemes in Ottlesford as well as the deliverability of affordable housing. Thank you. Any Councillor Dean? I, I have only two points on this chapter. The um, referring to page. 465, where in the summary it talks about densities are too high and do not reflect the character of Uttlesford, and then I think further on there's references from neighbourhood plan groups about um, housing density and saying that, uh, that the standards for densities in Uttlesford are higher than in East Hertfordshire and South Cambridgeshire. I don't have an opinion on what, this. What density, you mean? Housing density, yeah. number of dwellings yeah. per hectare or however mm -hmm. one measures it. Um, all I'm asking for is that we look at that and, and if appropriate, confirm 
our standards at the moment or at least be aware that they're different elsewhere and know why they're different. That's, uh, that's, okay, that's a very good question. Well, the other related one, which it is a related in a way, is um, I, I picked up recently um, a view, and I don't know how widespread the view is, that, that the size of um, dwellings in this country are significantly or substantially smaller than, than in some continental countries and that they lead, lead to um, living, living difficulties, for want of a better term. Um, and um, I, I'm no expert on this. I haven't read much about it. Um, but I, I mean, for instance, you know, we, we, is, is this why we get um, house extensions because rooms aren't big enough and then we have no parking places because people turn their garages into rooms and then we get chaos on the streets. I, I don't know quite how, whether anybody knows how all these things link, but I, I, it's just another matter I'd like somebody to do a little bit of research into sizes of dwellings to see whether we could, we, we're in the right place to set a new standard if, if it's appropriate. Do you want to comment on both of you guys from the planning committee, uh, Councillor Lachlan and then Councillor Mills, and then we'll ask uh, officers to comment as well. Density and whether houses are too small in the UK. Well, I think it's that we just don't like to live in little boxes where every house is the same as every other house. And I think when people build extensions, they often do it to make their house uh, as they want it, not necessarily because the rooms are smaller. I've built a couple of, ex well, we've built a couple of extensions ourselves. And that made us a little bit different from next door, whose extension was different to the one next door to them. So I, I think if you start to... Uh, sort of pacing out rooms so that they're all exactly the same. I, I you know, it'd be like Lilliput or something. No, I think that's wrong. I, you know, I think we should retain our, okay. uh, our identity. Okay, I, I think the density question is an important one. I don't want to stray too much into personal, people's personal preference of layout and whatnot. So, <coughs> Councillor Mills, can you keep us on density? And I'll, I'll try. Um, the TCPA principles are 20 to 30 houses per hectare as such that's the ideal target if we're going to implement that as a policy then those will be the targets that we are using there may be certain areas which are slightly denser where it's multiple units or affordable for whatever reason um, but uh, we'll be looking at those sort of average figures I presume going forward uh, so that would be less than or yes that would be less dense than we have done through conventional development over the last 10 years and uh, the second point will be that one of the other principles is the uh, health of the community and that also will play into the design of the houses so that they are should we say, more friendly than previous development. And that will also be another principle that we, you'll be looking to reinforce in the uh, planning that comes forward. Is that density within the... Because each of the, um, each, each of the settlements will have areas of housing. Is it the, the, the density within the area or the overall uh, acreage of the site? Uh, I'll refer this to Stephen, really, because he'll know better than me. But I, I understand it's an average over the whole of the development. Uh, that's something I'd have to get back to you on, actually, I'm afraid. Um, on density, density is an interesting uh, and important factor. Um, 
there's, there's a tension here in terms of um, uh, low density sites with, with nice green spaces and, and gaps between them so it doesn't feel kind of crowded uh, versus um, making best use of land. So if, if we're building in the countryside and you build at a, a very low density, then you're not making very good use of land. But, but if you do it at a high density, then that's not good either. There's also um, an issue around the supporting of public transport routes. If um, developments are not dense enough, then there are not enough people within walking distance of a bus route, and, and that can have complications as well. You're right um, with regards to there being different densities across a site. Um, so in the local centres uh, and town centres, there will be a, a higher density of development. Um, so you might have shops, you might have plaques above shops, um, and you might have development a little more packed in, which would then uh, go to a lower density as you go towards the edge of the development. Councillor Lodge. Yeah, sorry, this is, this is one, one point I was bringing as well, going to bring up as well, Councillor Dean uh, flag, flagged it up already. Um, I think I've, I've, just looked, I've got H1, H1, count H1 on here, which shows for town centres we're saying 35 to 60 per hectare, and then, only, and then as much as 30 to 50 adjacent to, to a settlement. Whereas I think Councillor Dean mentioned Hearts and Cams are looking at around 30 as an average. Um, it looks as though we are, we, relative to our environment, we are going for too many and perhaps we really should have a look at that. And, and, and we've had quite a lot of comments in this text as well, so um, make sure that's in the minutes, Alistair, and uh, it's an important point that officers will come. Well, it's not just coming back to that we need to take a very serious consideration about that. Good. Any other points on this chapter? Councillor Lees, give you a go. Uh, I've got a couple of things. Um, one is a lot of people that commented talked about that we haven't probably got our housing mix right for their, you know, they don't believe that we have. And I'm wondering how are we going to decide on the housing mix? And for those areas that don't have neighbourhood plans, are we going to ask the parish councils? Are we going to look at the people that live there? Are we going to get some information? As you know, I'm all, people of Elston are always telling me they, they want smaller bungalows, they want to release their three-bedroom houses that they live on their own. There aren't any. There aren't any at market value built. I spoke to the developer when they came, and they sort of discounted it, didn't they, and said elderly people can, we can just spend their money. Um, there are four couples, particularly in Elston at the moment, in the new developments, who have all would have bought bungalows or smaller houses if they were available and they mm. said they've just bought the houses that they can mm. to be near their children and I'm wondering whether we're getting it right and I yep. know that developers don't want to do bungalows and I know they don't want to do um, other things but if we're going to lead it should we not be really looking at the housing mix we want we have a very high elderly population mm -hmm. for example here mm. um, there are lots of elderly people on their, live on their own People don't particularly want sheltered accommodation, but they want something where yeah. they live together, don't they? And there's yeah. a community, they're feeling lonely. We're a rural district. We don't have good communication. I'll stop now, sorry. No, no, But I, I really am intrigued and concerned how we're going to get that right. And back to uh, Councillor Lachlan's point about the boxes and things. We're not looking at people coming, are we? Because people are buying these houses. This is the problem. And the thing, in, in, we, we've had quite a lot in Alstom, and people are buying them. So developers don't mind because they are going to sell. People are going to move up and sell them, but we're not, I'm not sure we're doing the right housing mix. Mm. So, and I, I think it's particularly important around bungalows. Um, 
so, but I'm not, you know, people say the housing mix is wrong, but we don't, I'm not sure we've got empirical evidence to prove that. So, officers, what can we do here? It is important that if we, well, if we want to include a more specific mix within the policy, then we need to have the evidence base for that. Um, so at the moment, the draft plan refers to evidence of the most recent schmar having regard to local character and viability of the development. Um, we can look to see if we can, um, if there's any further evidence available to develop a, a more appropriate mix, but it, it does have to be evidence-based. So, yeah, just for, um, I, I think we should go out and get that evidence because this is a point that comes up all the time, the mix is wrong. And um, that's fine, so that's somebody's opinion. But we do need to, and we need more bungalows. I happen to think that's correct, but I'm no expert. But how, how do we get that evidence in terms of, because you're, you're right, if you, if you build 100 houses in, in Uttlesford, They'll sell, whether they're big, small, or whatever. That's the nature of the area that we live in. But is that what people really want? Is that what's uh, really being required? So I, I would like to take that away, Alistair, in the minutes, but officers, please, to have a think about this. Um, and, of course, we're only talking to the indigenous population. People will move into Uttlesford. Uh, but but what, what is the real requirement? What are we actually short of? And you can't always leave that to the... I mean, the market does drive that to a certain extent, but you can't always leave that to the market. So I think, I think a piece of work around that is, is important. Councillor Lachlan. Well, I was going to say, and a developer will put in a planning application. First of all, it will be an outline application, and then it will be a full application. And that will be the time, I think, um, for the planning committee uh, to decide whether that is a good site or not, or whether uh, they agree with what is... Uh, you know, uh, in the application, and I think that has happened. That happened again at Elsinham, didn't it? When they asked for bungalows, but the developer wouldn't build them all. I think they got two out of three or something. Was it? But they asked for three and only didn't get the amount they wanted. So I think it's when it comes to the planning committee that is the time then. Yes, but uh, I, I we hold, can object. I, as you know, I hold the planning committee in the highest respect. But do you know what uh, the residents of Uttlesford want? I know what the planning committee wants. Well, yeah, but what evidence, <laughs> I, uh, what evidence are you basing that when on it comes is the to key point we're talking about now? Well, I, yeah, I think I do. No, I think I agree. People do want bungalows. It's been said a lot. It's, it goes on all the time. Why don't we build more bungalows? And the reason that we don't is because the developer can put two houses and yeah, the of footprint we're on, we're of a bungalow. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and it's, it's money. Okay. It, it's not, but you know, not that's my all evidence, it is. My evidence point. I think Councillor Parker wanted hmm. to come in, then both Lees and Mills. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure the officers will correct me if I'm wrong, but the strategic housing market assessment looks at the mix required as well as the peer numbers. Mm -hmm. So that is there. And you know, these are technical studies done by experts in the field. Okay. So I no, think we do have to have a, could be a, a bit of regard start. to what they, yeah. they say. Whether, the, whether the latest iteration of the Schmar has updated that or changed it at all, I, I'm not sure. But we'd all love bungalows, but they're a big land take for developers, aren't they? No. no. Okay. <laughs> Councillor Lees, then Councillor Mills. 
Sorry, one, one of the things, though, isn't it, about these technical studies is studies um, come up with answers with the questions that have been asked at the beginning. So, it's, you know, you get the information from what you've asked already. So if you're not specifically saying, would you release your three-bedroomed house for a bungalow, it's not going to come in any evidence. Um, and, and I think that's what we have to do. I personally could produce... 50 people who would, no, that's a bit of a lie, definitely 20, who would sign a piece of paper, I know 20, I'm running my head, who would sign a piece of paper saying if there was a market valuable bungalow, they would release their house because that's what I'm being told all the time. So I think we do have to have some evidence base yeah. for that, but I've lost my other point. But, but yeah, I think about the technical studies. Absolutely, but studies only give you the answers from the questions that have been asked at the beginning, and that worries me. Okay. Councillor Mills? Councillor Parker already said we've already got the indicative levels and, and that's what we're going to have to take forward to the Reg 19 as it stands at the moment. Um, there is definitely government policy also pointing to the release of existing larger houses and people being able to move down the demographic. So this is actually seen as a, as a big source of larger houses coming forward and on meeting housing requirements. So, yeah. okay. Good. Anything else on this chapter? Right, I now move you on to chapter 3F, which is employment and is on page 493. And you'll be pleased to know you've reached the halfway stage and you've, and you've been at it for one hour, 50 minutes. So well done. Um, employment. Uh, Mr. M Miles. Thank you, Chair. Yes, uh, chapter 5 sets out the pol plans, policies dealing with employment representations to this part of the plan um, question a number of things for example they question the demand for employment land in the district um, they suggest different business sectors should be supported one example is high tech businesses um, and they also suggest some of the employment policies should be more flexible thank you thank you councillor Dean I have uh, three points on this one mr. chairman the um the first one relates to, it's picked up on page 495 about um, Stansted Airport and employment at Stansted Airport. There's a claim, and I don't know whether it's a correct claim, that various local authorities up and down the M11 have claimed, if you will, the, um, the, the jobs or the future jobs at Stansted Airport, um, and therefore if we're all building houses for the same jobs, uh, somebody's going to be unlucky um, and not get a job there. So my question is, is there any foundation in this claim or allegation and, and could, could we understand that? Shall I run through the others? One, because one's specific to um, north side development at Stansted Airport and that's picked up on page 519. And, and in other places. It's, it's, it's um, a parochial question. It's whether with the development of north side of Stansted Airport for commercial purposes other than airport related purposes that um, something will be done about very large lane in Stansted to prevent uh, large vehicles charging down Church Road and trying to find their way through to the B1383 through the middle of Stansted Mount Fitchett rather than going to the A120, M11 or whatever it might be. 
I think that's, that's something that, that locally we've got concern about. I have one more point I'll come back on to. John, take the first. Well, I'll take both points if you can. <coughs> Presumably we could put a restriction, could we, on the... Um, because you, there's no reason why you can't approach the north side from dual carriageways. Uh. So if, if that is an issue, then we should be, we, we should be thinking about a weight restriction. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Um, so on the first point about um, the, all building the houses for the same jobs, as, as you put it, um, the work that's been undertaken so far on the Schmar and on the, um, the FEMA, the, um, which is the, the jobs equivalent of the Schmar, um, the, the work on the FEMA, which was published um, in October, which, which in my final answer to Mr. MacDonald, I talked about the, the rebalancing of the jobs figure to make it, um, to make it balance with the homes. Um, that in, in looking at it across the whole area, so the four districts of Epping, Forest, um, East Hearts, Harlow and ourselves, uh, it, and in, in, in intending to achieve a balance across the area for both homes and jobs, that is not something that uh, has happened. The, um, well, I'm not speaking very well at the moment, I'm not sure why. <laughs> yes, let me start again. So, uh, not all. So there is a balance of homes and jobs across the uh, Shmar area and the FEMA area. Okay. Any other points? Yep. Uh, page 541 makes reference to bridleways. It's under rural economy. Um, it has a my my point has a wider context. This is talking about um, improving bridleways, therefore that's particularly for equestrian use. Um, but of course there's a whole question of the footpath network um, and where we are creating new settlements that uh, they enhance the footpath and bridleway network and that they connect with the existing network and I raise that because I read a report recently which was looking at the um, experience at Camborne in Cambridgeshire uh, where they said that um, footpaths in certain directions came to an end at the end of the new settlement because the people who lived just beyond it in the existing community said we, we want no to do with these new people so we don't want any footpaths that connect us. Uh, I think now they're saying, oh, why can't we get to the shops in Camborne? You know? <laughs> so in other words, what I'm really saying is we've got to build into our planning um, networks for both two feet and four feet <laughs> um, yeah. so that they all join up. Otherwise, we will have everybody using cars all the time and, and we're trying to encourage modal shift and, other, and the health benefits of walking as well. So. I think it's very important. I mean, it, it applies you know, to Forest Hall Park in Stansted, where footpaths ended at stupid locations and you couldn't get down into town safely. I think and so uh, on. I'm looking at some of the residents who are affected by this. This, this, is, a, this is a very interesting point in terms yes. of we talked about mitigation, 
but we also need to have a discussion about connectivity and, uh, and, and, and to get, it, get the balance right. An opinion will change over time because we've seen that with other developments, and you've mentioned Camborne, but North Stowe is another example. So um, you have to, uh, 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 I don't know if you're getting the point, Alistair, but we do, um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's about connectivity um, uh, between new and old settlements, getting the balance between um, protection and... Um, well done. Good word. So, Councillor Barker. Um, yes, I think what's important, um, we're very strange in Uttlesford and bits of North Essex. We have far more public rights ways, bridleways, byways. Uh, you go into the south of the county, they're, they're far, few and far between. And they need to be used appropriately. We've spent a lot of money through the highways panel actually resurfacing bridleways, byways that are churned up by um, people who possibly shouldn't be on them. But having said that, we do have a lot of byways, bridleways, public rights away. And what we've got to make sure, just like our hedges or our better trees, that actually the development caters for these things. Now, it could be that you end up diverting a bridleway or a byway or a footpath, but what you want to do is divert it if you have to, but not extinguish it. So I think you know, there, there are a lot of occasions where you, know, you can adapt and change something, but you don't have to, once you've extinguished it or allowed someone to extinguish it, then you're in trouble. But we will find that, I would think that any development is going to have footpaths, footways, um, and we can be sensitive about it, and I think that's what it is. But once you let it go, once you give that right up, then, you know, then you're on sticky wicked. Any other points? No, then I'll move you on to 3G, which is page 543, Retail. Mr. Miles. Thank you, Chair. Um, so representations to this part of the plan, um, some examples. Uh, they support the need for appropriate retail provision in new development. <coughs> some of the others query the uses that are appropriate within centres and Seen, those reps seem to be primarily on existing centres um, and representations also oppose out of centre retail development. Thank you. Any comments? I think we understand and note. So thank you. Move on to item 3H, which is transport. Thank you, Chair. Um, so representations to this part of the plan, um, some of them suggest that persuading people out of their cars onto other modes might be difficult. Um, representations also express concern about the impact of developments on the transport network and also there are concerns around um, impacts on air quality. Thank you. Thank you. Comments here? I think the challenge is that um, there's an element of predicting the future about this. And um, I remember the discussion in 97 when we were going to give up on roads, um, 1997, uh, give up on roads and go for public transport. And sadly, the improvement in public transport didn't work. But I think what we've, what we've got to create is, is a recognition that the car will stay as the car uh, certainly in the, um, well, probably for the majority of our planned period, but that technology is, is changing and therefore 
um, the provision of electrical points, but it goes further up the chain than that in terms of is there sufficient power. So if every one of 5,000 houses is going to charge its car overnight, um, do you have the you know, capacity to deal with that? So we have got to be, there's got to be an element of forecasting the future. Uh, we're not scientists. We, can't, we can go into driverless cars a little bit, but beyond that, whatever the next phase is, I don't, you know, that becomes more challenging. But having recognised that, then we should be taking a giant step forward in terms of public transport. So the idea that there isn't connectivity, it's been referred to, we don't have to refer to it again, but there isn't connectivity uh, beside the A120, particularly into Stansted, but beyond, if we can, to Bishop Stortford, um, that, that would be irresponsible. So that, that has got to be an absolute key feature of our plan. Um, and uh, we don't know at this stage what method of transport that would be. Um, there is, well, obviously, the Flitchway is an old railway line, isn't it? But, um, you know, what the possibilities are. So that, that, that is a very important part of it. And, and every one of these developments, and I referred earlier to the West of Cambridge development being uh, um, put forward by the University of Cambridge, um, there are wide walkways and wide cycle paths on every single one of the roads, which also, incidentally, all have yellow lines that you cannot park on. So it's, you know, taking that into account, uh, you may only be able to cycle to the edge of these new settlements, but Mr Mills will do, Councillor Mills will do his best to make connectivity elsewhere. Um, and hopefully out of, if North Uttlesford went ahead, hopefully we'll have a, um, a cycle path from Saffron Walden all the way through to um, Cambridge. So, but, but, but that, you know, we, we must be thinking uh, new ways of sustainable travel as well. Councillor Barker. Uh, Chairman, um, I'm not a biking person, don't mind walking, but uh, um, we do acknowledge the car is here. And one thing, there's many comments in here, they do talk about rat runs. And I know Councillor Mills is passionate about Felstead, and I'm sure in the north you're passionate about Ickleton. Um, if these sites do go ahead, this has to be a serious priority before there is a brick in the ground, because that <laughs> uh, we talk about impacts but for villages yep. that are villages yep. that have narrowish streets and old buildings they do not and want north of andrews field as the, well the yeah, villages they, there they do not I, I i i see well west of braintree and north i can't see many reasons for much <laughs> traffic to want to be heading north out of any potential settlement there but i can see them heading south to chomsford to get on a train or go to work in chomsford and equally um, to get out of Chesterford. Um, and I just really think that that needs to be um, in discussions with highways authorities, differently important from the strategic road infrastructure, but actually for you know, existing communities, very, very important that is addressed at an early age to discourage as many people using small, narrow country lanes as we can. Yeah, I think that's important. Councillor Mills. Um, just to ask, um, where are we with the transport study uh, as far as sort of actual delivery and times go? Because um, it sort of scuppered us last time. I'd just like some assurance that we're going to get a complete report and when are we going to get it? So, as I said, um, we met with Cambridgeshire and South Cams, uh, I think it was the week before last, so last two couple of weeks. Um, 
part of working through their objections, one, one of the key parts of their objection was about us taking into account development in Cambridge and South Cams appropriately. Um, so they have uh, committed to give us their, the, the locational development within their boundaries so that we can um, include that in our modelling work. Um, we are chasing that up at the moment. Um, and we expect once we have it, it shouldn't take too long to finish off the work. Um, I, I'm reluctant to give you an actual date at the moment, but uh, we don't anticipate it, it being too long. And it, it, it won't be the longest point of the lead time. Yeah, it wasn't last time. No. <laughs> Councillor Lodge. And does, does that include... So is there likely to be any... Is there any further update on traffic in Saffron Walden or... or or was the last Essex report effectively it? Uh, well, we'll up, when we're updating the, the modelling work in the transport study, we will include any and all um, proposals in the plan for Saffron Walden and other planning applications have got permission so that it is as up-to-date as possible. We are continuing to do that. Uh, you, you used to attend the Saffron Warden Highways session. We are continuing to look at um, mitigation of areas of uh, poor air quality. Um, but as you will appreciate, there are limited options. I mean, we can smooth out the end of Borough Lane. Um, we would like to smooth out the traffic lights at the George Street High Street Junction, but that has challenges. Um, some mitigations have already been done. We're aware that traffic will now start to filter through um, Shah Hill and what the implications of that are. So um, it, it, it is modest internal improvements, I think, that's the best that we can hope until such time as there is a, a road that goes around the east side of Saffron Walden. May I, may I just inquire whether the transport study that has just been referred to is only dealing with roads or whether it's also addressing things like um, uh, conceptual ideas in Cambridgeshire for um, restoring the railway to or some form of transport to Haverhill, which I think mm -hmm. would go off at um, Shelford if, if they use the old route uh, and how that might serve the, at least the edge of our district is, is that part of it uh, and is it also does it also include the matter that we've been discussing earlier about Braintree to hopefully Bishop's Talkford rather than just the airport well, uh, it doesn't include either of those um, the the transport modeling work is, is mainly well, it's essentially modelling a worst-case scenario. So if these other um, improvements, say, say for example the, the rapid transit link from um, west of Braintree, Eastern Park, except for that one, if that came forward, that would be able to um, improve the situation which was modelled in the transport modelling work. The, uh, on the north side, as I said earlier, the, the, the mayor is responsible for that. The mayor has indicated... 
um, a plan that includes a light railway from Haverhill to the new station that was mentioned in the budget at Cambridge South, which is at um, Cambridge University Hospital. Um, and uh, he also has a scheme to put in an underground in Cambridge, which won't particularly affect us, but certainly the light railway would, because it would go down the back of Grant Park, which is the back of the, uh, just over the border from uh, North Uttlesford. But um, as Mr. Marr said, it's not part of our study, but it's certainly being looked at by the Mayor. Yep. Nothing else? Then we will move on to item 3i, which is infrastructure, on page 595. Mr. Miles. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, so Chapter 8 sets out the plans, policies on infrastructure. Representations to this part of the plan, um, uh, they seem to want the provision of the appropriate infrastructure alongside development. Um, a number of specific bodies, often parish councils, make reps uh, regarding specific infrastructure requirements in their area. Um, thank you. Any comments? Councillor Dean. Just uh, one point. Um, I think it's picked up on page 597 where the National Trust and Natural England are saying that we need a policy for green infrastructure um, and whether we're thinking about doing such a thing. Um, I, I, I think, you know, story, I guess this ties in with public open space as well, but um, there has been a, a tendency in the past, I feel, that in this district, well, we're a rural district, therefore there's plenty of countryside out there, so we don't need to build it into places so this, this is calling for um, a green infrastructure policy um, so the question is are we working in that direction Thank you Chair um, that is something that we are looking at I mean policy INF1 makes references to green infrastructure but I think the points that Natural England and the National Trust are making is that um, is we should consider a standalone policy uh, on green infrastructure. So that is something we are looking at. Anything else? I did note the comment from the West Essex Clinical Commissioning Group, which obviously doesn't cover all the... Um, yes, it does. It covers all, all the settlements. Um, in terms of noting existing GP practices in the area do not have capacity to accommodate significant growth, although begun to address capacity issues, obviously... Um, we would build new facilities in any new developments, but the question of having the doctors to fill those is something that must be maintained uh, in dialogue with um, West Essex. Any other points on infrastructure? No? We'll move on to 3J, which is design. First comments? That's on page 627. Anything you want to say on that, Mr. Mars? Sorry. Thank you, Chair. Um, so, uh, Chapter 10 sets out the policy... Oh, no, sorry. Chapter 9 sets out the policies on design. Uh, representations to this part of the plan uh, set out how important good design is. 
uh, although a number of queries are raised about the subjective nature of design um, and how that's incorporated into policy. Um, a number of more reps seekers, uh, seek more specificity in the policy. Um, yes, while others argue that flexibility is required to allow for innovation in design. So that there's a mix of representations here. Thank you. I think this is the most challenging bit of all. Uh, any, any comments? Councillor Dean. Yes, indeed. Um, and the one that always jumps out at me is parking standards. Um, and I, I wrote down myself a note saying that uh, nothing should be designed that necess necessitates green verges becoming parking lots um, and that our garden villagers should have management rules that disallow verge and pavement parking, uh, but this will only be achievable if accessible personal and general parking places exist in the right place. And then we've had discussions at um, policy workshops over the last 18 months, I think, you know, where we, we talk about uh, unused parking courts and roads that are too narrow, so they're clogged up and so on. And I'm just really seeking an assurance that we are going to be taking this very seriously and that uh, certainly any new communities in this district uh, are better than Forest Hill Park, for instance. Do you have any suggestions? No, I'm not an expert at this. Councillor I'm, I'm Mills looking has for, I'm looking for inspiration. Yeah, Councillor Mills has. <laughs> I think this is a real challenge because um, I think we've agreed that um, the width of the road is very important. Um, I think we've agreed that there will be cycle paths everywhere. Um, as I said, the West of Cambridge model has yellow lines. You cannot park on the road at all. I think that's more difficult in these kind of settlements, but it's an option that you look at as long as there's sufficient capacity elsewhere. But um, the average three-bed house will have, probably have a garage capable of one car, four court for maybe one or two more. So if, you've got a, if you're a four-car family and somebody comes to visit you, where do they park? But Mr Mills has the answer. Councillor Mills has the answer. I, I don't have the answer, but um, I mean, you can look at uh, the German model, whereas they're basically using off-site storage parking, and you can't, you know, you can pull up outside your house for five minutes, and that's the limit. Um, there are other new town developments coming forward in this country whereby they're using uh, wider roads, and then they're using a, a parking verge, and then a pavement. So you're getting more of an avenue of trees, perhaps, that separate something. Yeah. And it may be that we're looking more to that type of design, yeah. just to actually allow more space, and, and, and so the cars aren't restricting in any way. But again, this is going to be part of the master plans that come forward, and it's going to have to be part of the principles that we put in. Um, and therefore, it's a sort of a watch this space. But yeah. we, we can only sort of... Uh, try and aim high and, and see where we no, go. No, absolutely, and I think this does require, uh, Councillor Lees and Councillor Barker, but this, this does require innovation. It does require thinking uh, beyond what is currently delivered because I don't think there's a development in Uttlesford that doesn't have a parking problem, so we, we, we know it's an issue. Um, Councillor Lees? Actually, I was going to say about yours with the avenue and the parking, but the other thing is um, whenever developments come up, and it goes to planning, and they say, oh, well, you know, we, we, we followed Essex guidelines. So 
Sorry, Councillor Barker. But I think, you know, we've got to be innovative enough to say we don't agree with Essex guidelines then and we've got to say this is what's right for Rutherford because the parking in all the developments that I've been to are appalling. If you go to Takeley, Elsnum, Forest Hall Park, and as you say, we have to accept the car. The car is the, the king of the, the road at the moment here. That's what people want. And we've got to be innovative and we have to write it down. And if we don't make it a policy, when it comes to the planning committee, they won't have any teeth to stop it on the parking. I think there's a difference between uh, a routine development and a new garden community. Garden community can, in a sense, do what it wants. Um, whereas if, 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 it's a, if, if it's a development that's routinely coming, then the developer will quote the policy. We say, stuff the policy and the developer has a strong case in court. So there are different circumstances, but, but it is an issue, and it's, it, you just cannot carry your head in the sand on, on it. We, we, need to, we need to address it. Councillor Mills? Um, I think sorry, uh, Councillor Barker. Well, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. After you, Sue, go on. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it would be interesting to see anything that's coming online. Uh, I don't have one, but there will be people, many people, who will shortly have an electric car. And you can't have, if you've got parking courts, then you're going to have to have an electric truck. And, you know, you can't have a lead draped across the pavement. So it would be interesting to see from developers' perspective, if there's anything out there on the way that their, their brains are thinking on how you lay out houses with parking, bearing in mind that in 10 years' time, Maybe 30% of people are going to want to plug their car in when they come home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not just the power supply, it's yeah. the, the physical proximity yeah, yeah. of a car yeah. to a charging point. Yeah, no, absolutely and, right. We should be that. considering this with every single thing that comes through now. Mm. I mean, I, I don't say I'm in favour or not in favour, but if it's, it's a reality coming. that's going to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, quite right, quite right. Yeah. Councillor Loughlin. No, I was just going to say the Essex design guide that we use is only a guide. It isn't set in stone. But we are actually finding now that there's more um, tandem parking, which you never saw before, because more people do have cars and there isn't the space. And I, and I, do, I agree, I think parking is, is a big thing and we should really sort that out. Because people aren't going to get rid of their cars. I mean, I wouldn't get rid of mine. Uh, you know, you can't walk to the shops. And, and go to the Tesco's or something and come back and carry six carrier bags. It's not possible. So that, it, it is you know, possible, you really but need it's, to, it's inconvenient. It is very inconvenient, and we need to sort out parking, but let's not make a mistake. We don't have to go by the design guide, and okay. not all um, officers that appear, not all uh, inspectors that appeal would go with it either. Okay, that's, that's helpful information. Thank you. Thank you. So design, very important, and, and we haven't even raised the point that... Um, of, 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 of the people around this in this room um, probably don't all agree I think we probably universally agree on something that was awful design but we may have very different views on what is good design so I do anticipate that this will be a bit of a challenge but um, we will obviously be working with the best hopefully to deliver the best Okay, on design. So moving now on to environment, 3K, page 661. A few words. Thank you, Chair. Um, so, as you say, Chapter 10 sets out the plan's policies on the environment. Representations to this part of the plan tended to support the protection of the historic environment. 
uh, although question the impacts of specific developments on it. Um, representations suggest further details required to set out how the built and natural environment can be protected. Thank you. So there was a comment about uh, lack of environmental impact assessments, but I think you responded to that earlier in terms of some of the work that we're doing with uh, national heritage, etc. But what about the environmental impacts? Each, 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 each um, settlement will have. Yes. So on the <coughs> revised version. Sorry. Uh, on the historic impact assessments, we are working with Historic England to. Um, uh, to develop a full historic impact assessment to update the brief one and, and better understand the impact of the garden communities on heritage assets. Um, on that, in addition to looking at uh, in addition to looking at heritage assets, that's going to look at um, impacts on. Uh, it's, going, it's going to also kind of look at landscape a little bit as well, um, particularly in. Uh, in in, in character terms. Um, uh, so does that come through an impact assessment? Well, that's a historic impact assessment. Um, the sustainability appraisal, that we, and including SEA, um, will look at, um, will appraise the policies in the plan and um, ensure that they are delivering sustainable development. Um, but an, environment, an EIA, an environmental impact assessment, isn't something that you do for a, a local plan. That's a, a planning application. Okay, right, thank you. Councillor Dean. Yes, thanks, Chairman. I'm looking at the um, comment on page 673 from Historic England, uh, which says that our policy appears to prioritise renewable energy provision over the protection and enhancement of historic environment. Um, I, I don't know whether that's saying things like you can't improve energy efficiency of listed buildings uh, but let them continue to leak energy like a sieve, uh, in which case I, I, I can't agree with them. Um, and I'd like to, if I may, just go back three pages um, because I thought, I thought this was part of the environment bit when we were talking earlier, page 655, where somebody says, talking about minimising carbon dioxide emissions, same topic really, saying that policy D9, energy requirement places rigid expectation on all development and may make schemes unviable. Well, I don't buy that, um, you know, particularly if we're um, going for land value capture. In other words, we're going for a scheme where people aren't, developers and landowners aren't running off with the maximum profit. They can afford to invest you know, in, in the design of properties which are low energy. So there are, there are two points there, which one dealing with existing properties and a, another one dealing with new properties. And I, I think we should be um, ambitious on this and, and not um, you know, not, not, be, not in any way become known as a soft touch council over yeah. uh, CO2 emissions and mm. climate change and so on. Sure. Yeah. Did you want to comment? I think we fully endorse that point. Yep. No, no debate. Good. <laughs> um, 
So, you, sorry, you had another point, didn't you, I, I, under I, Chapter 10? Yeah, I think I'm on, I'm on page 684, is that correct? Yeah, could yeah. be. Um, yes, it's the, it's the comment from the National Trust about Hatfield Forest um, acknowledging that if there's a greater population, then there'll be more people visiting the forest, and therefore more houses and more people aren't a good thing. Um, in my opinion, it's for them to manage the access to the forest and not to tell us we can't uh, provide houses for people. Um, I, I, the, other, the other part to it is that, um, for instance, in the case of um, Eastern Park, where if there's a country park there, then that will provide alternative locations for people to go. But at the end of the day, I, I think um, it's for the owners of these places to manage them effectively and not uh, to try and stifle us delivering on our housing and I, requirements. And I think there has been some restrictions. That, hasn't there? Some of the parks saying. in Hatfield Heath at the moment, the forests have been um, are being protected. Yeah. So I mean, it's, yeah, it's they, closed they, at the moment. I think they, they, I, they make the point, as, as you yeah. rightly say. I mean, that's not a reason to stop development, no. but it's, it, 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 the point is well made that um, places like Hatfield Forest need to be appropriately protected, but probably by those who are, have that responsibility. Yeah, that's what yeah. I... Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm on page Chair, if I could just add something on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we met with Natural England and the National Trust um, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago, I think now, um, to discuss their representations about Hatfield Forest. They, when we met them, National Trust informed us that they had commissioned some work um, looking at um, zones of influence for basically how far people will travel to go to Hatfield Forest um, and then potential avoidance and mitigation strategies for dealing with that. Um, you, you're right to say that um, the provision of green infrastructure in new developments such as the Country Park at Eastern Park will go some way towards mitigating people choosing to go to Hatfield Forest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we put that point to them. National, the National Trust said that there's uh, a, a balance to be had, though. Hatfield Forest is more of a destination place which people will choose to go to, whereas a Country Park uh, on the edge of the road, people might go there more easily to walk their dog or something like that, but they won't but it might be less of a, a conscious choice to go to somewhere for a day out kind of thing. So their work is going to balance out the population growth uh, and the, the attractiveness of the new, green, the new green infrastructure in the garden communities, say, um, versus the destination choice of some residents as well. Um, and we've got another meeting with them at the end of January. Yeah. Thank you. It's helpful. Councillor Mills. Sorry, you're still Sorry. going. Well, um, well, I've got a point on page 708. Um, it's a comment by Sustainable Uttlesford and the suggesting the construction of a partial or full relief road to remove HGVs and other traffic from the town centre of Saffron Walden. Now, I know we're not doing that uh, next year. Um, <laughs> but is, is the local plan going to safeguard land in the way that Bishop Stortford did a long time ago with what is now becoming Stortford North to ensure that if and when the time comes <laughs> the land's available to do something like that? No. 
Um, having said that, the Saffron Warden Neighbourhood Plan yeah. is trying to predict the future. Yeah. Um, so I think what we've all got in mind is that when Carver Barracks ceases to be a military base, it could well be part of a future local plan. It's, it would be a brownfield site. It would be surprising if it wasn't. However, it's very similar circumstances to Elsenham. It's, it, it's smack in the middle of the countryside with no primary access routes. So you could start to think of how a, a relief road might pick up um, Carver Barracks. But this is, this is work that the neighbourhood plan is, it has in mind. I don't think they're earmarking a route and protecting the land as such. It's a fair point. It's an interesting point that if you come to put in your, your, your road and you suddenly realise you've done something in the last 10 years that completely screws up the route. It, it is a, it's a very good point, which I think we should log. Um, I think officers should take it away and think about it, about how to yeah, look yeah, after that. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine a, a relief road for Saffron Walden via Debden, but... Um, it's not Debden, is it? But if it's, going, if, it's going, if it's going down the south side of Saffron Warden, which it would, could it go down the east and then round the south to link up yeah, whatever no, road? Yeah, I, I mean, so reference to Carver Barracks is what yeah, I mean. Yeah, but it ain't going to be far. It's not going to be far from Carver <laughs> Barracks at that point. So, uh, uh, so, not very far. No. So, so, okay. so if it was a relief road and, you, yeah. and you'd created a new, a new um, settlement, yeah. then... Then you... Yeah, that, okay. Yeah. So it might be part of the formula. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> Councillor Lachlan, then Councillor Mills. Thank you. I've noticed that um, Sansford have asked about air quality monitoring. Right. And I know that Saffron Walden has a problem as well, especially at yeah. the junction, of, yeah. you know where it is, I'm yeah. I can't remember the name. Um, and there will be, obviously, more traffic going onto these roads, going into the towns. And I'm just wondering about that. How are we going to monitor air quality? in the future? Is it going to be a priority or is it going to wait until we do have a problem before anybody does anything about it? No, we have a statutory uh, obligation, as you know. The government takes air quality very seriously. So, um, I, I, I'm interested in the monitoring in Stansted if we felt that there were emerging problems there. Um, and so, perhaps we could look at that in, in, in closer no, it's, detail. It's in hand. It's in hand. It's in hand. There's a review been taking place the last couple of months, and I'm, I understand that it's they're, they're due to put in some monitors perhaps okay. this month. Good. They might be there. I don't know. Good, good, good. Yeah. But uh, no, Councillor Lockley, we take it most seriously. Uh, the challenge is what can you do about it? Well, that would have been nice if the residents knew about that. Thank you. Uh, uh, what about that initiative? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak to your um, local um, yeah. district councillor. <laughs> Councillor Lodge. Well, by, by a strange coincidence, my point was about air quality. And uh, it's gone on a long time. We've had a number, we've had a number of, of policy reviews, and I think we've, we've brought it up on each occasion that the, the, the policy as set out in EN16 is weaker than before. 
and we basically see no reason why it should be weaker. And if, and if we're contrasting again to neighbouring authorities, they're, they're, they're being rather more robust. And something along the lines that a new development should not adverse, adversely affect air quality levels inside an AQMA seems to be a very reasonable requirement. And why it's not in there, I don't know. Again, as I said before, we're not going we, to debate, debate the, uh, the wording here, but that really does need to be carried forward and have, have another look at that. But I think um, the challenge there is that any of these new settlements will inevitably increase traffic. So um, it will put pressure on air quality in certain places. And the question then is, do you mitigate the points where the air quality is a problem or do you not do the development in the first place? So it, 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 we have to have to be careful how we, uh, how we phrase this point. This but but do, I still don't see why, why any, de any development should worsen air quality and worsen health as a result. I, it, it, seems, it seems to be a very simple point. That any development will any do... Any development, yeah. yeah. Well, on that basis, you wouldn't develop anything, and that is not a sustainable position. No, that's, that's, that's not true. You can, you, can, you, can, you can design in measures to, uh, to not uh, make air quality worse. You, you, I, I don't see how you can uh, be silent on, uh, on putting a, a, a policy forward which does not allow uh, a development to make air quality worse. I'll, take, I'll, take, take North Uttlesford, for example, and the point both welcomed in terms of extra trade for the high street in Saffron Walden, but the point that this, it could lead to further traffic. Well, further traffic will not improve air quality, will it? Now, all of this, of course, is a discussion about current forms of vehicle. This problem largely goes away in 20 years' time. So uh, we need to be mindful of that point as well. And in 20 years, we won't have got a huge number of, of those houses underway. So the, the circumstances, as, as the housing comes on stream, so the number of electric cars comes on stream as well. So one thing hopefully will start to balance itself out. But I don't quite understand your point because you're suggesting... Well, I'm talking about specifically an AQMA area, area where we currently have illegal levels of pollution. Yep. Now, if we're starting developments out in, out in the countryside, in, the, in those developments itself, we don't have an air quality problem at the moment. We will make air quality worse, undoubtedly, because you, you've got to do that. But we have to draw a line with an AQMA. We, ca we cannot make illegal levels worse, even in the shorter term. We've got, we've got to cater for that for the, uh, and have plans and policies which will stop that problem, shall we say, for about a decade. No, I fully, I fully support that I, and, and I'm not underestimating the importance of air quality, but I don't think the solution is not to build. There will have to be other, there will have to be other way. On that basis, they wouldn't build another house in London. So there has to be other ways of mitigating air quality. Yeah, so that's so. so we have we have built into the policy that those ways of mitigation must be found. And in London, they have a congestion charge, and you, they will tax you on a polluting car. And in uh, you know, with diesel cars now, some cities won't allow them in. 
Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the, there must be ways, pedestrianised zones, there must be ways to get around that. And things are getting worse, even in Newport. We've almost, we've almost got an exceedance in Newport coming up, which we're, which we're monitoring. So the problem is not going away in the very short term. No, it certainly won't. Uh, it, it won't until the, the, um, the number of electric cars uh, takes a significant leap forward. So um, can we relook then at the balance uh, around air quality and whether we think it's robust enough? Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, just to read out the criteria on air quality within EN16, at the moment it is worded, worded to say... Um, Development within or affecting an air quality management area will also be expected to contribute to a reduction in levels of air pollutants within the AQMA, but we will uh, go away and look at that wording and and see what we can do to um, make that more robust. Yeah, and I think also to take the point in terms of the initiatives that we might take take forward, um, and maybe we're getting to the point where diesel cars can't go into Saffron Walden, so yeah, we, we need to start to think outside the box then, don't we? Okay, Councillor Mills. Uh, Yes, I'd like to go back to Councillor Dean's point at the beginning and just ask that um, under the uh, new developments or the new garden developments, are we going to actually set a minimum standard for the house to be built to? In other words, are we actually going to look at, um, say, a level three? I'm not talking about going to passive house or like they've done in Exeter, but are we actually going to set out... Um, our objectives that a house will comply to a certain standard. Um, I just think it's an important point. And it actually answers part of councillor lodges. If we're building things that are environmentally more friendly, then we're actually making savings in other areas that we can control. Uh, And there may be other areas which we can't. Yeah, I think that's a particularly fair point. That is in the text, I think. But do you want to elaborate? Um, so, yes, that is something that we need to look at. Um, yes, because we, we do need... Garden communities are meant to be um, developments which are better than, than the average development, um, and the, the, the environmental standards of the buildings is an important aspect of that, so that is something that we need to, um, to ensure we deliver on. So, level four and above, yeah? We'll take that away. We, yeah, we'll take that away. But the point is well made. Yeah, it, it needs to be. It, 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 it need, we need to be looking to the future in terms of uh, yeah, sustainability. Any other points on this? Okay. Uh, that takes us to the countryside on page 717. You're on the homeward run. few comments. So, uh, chapter 11 sets out the plans policies on the countryside. Uh, representations as part of the plan support the protection of the countryside, um, although suggests flexibility to allow the provision and expansion of community facilities in the countryside should be considered. Thank you. Councillor Dean. My final two points, and they're very similar. Uh, the, um, the first one I pick up the comment by Historic England on page 718 about the the policy policy whichever one it is, C1 does not seek landscape enhancement and then 
on page 725 where it's talking about community facilities in the countryside, it seems to me that it's, it, it's, it, it's about restricting rather than enabling. I, I think both of these policies are written in a, a control manner. <laughs> um, in other words, stopping things happening rather than making things happen. Um, and, and certainly I think Historic England is right that it should say something about enhancing the landscape uh, and that's one thing that you know, I think, I think in, in discussing all three um, garden communities that um, it's not just about it's going, things are going to change, there's no doubt about that that <laughs> goes without saying um, and there are ways that you can improve the landscape and we shouldn't think about everything in a negative sense. So I think that policy C1 does need to be rewritten, and I'd say I'd agree with whoever it is who said it about policy C4 that that, that shouldn't just talk about um, you can only do it if. Um, you know, try to, try to see how it can be turned around to be a positive thing. And... And where it, and for instance, the last bullet point in C4, I'm, I'm now looking in the, the draft plan document um, on page 146. It says the site, which, whichever is under consideration, is well related to the settlement. That kind of implies that it's, you know, it's something for Saffron Walden that's on the edge of Saffron Walden or Stansted, whereas we might well be talking about. Um, facilities, outdoor sports and so on, which are in the middle of nowhere, between places, uh, who knows. So I, I just think it needs to be turned around to be more positive, both of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hedham Rugby Club would be a good example, which is slightly outside the village. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is, yes. Well, the Saffron Warden Rugby Club, I should yes. say, it's not the Hedham Rugby Club. Already, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a good point, I, and we can look at... Um, making sure that they are more positively worded. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Any other points on Chapter 11, Countryside? Okay, we'll move on to Chapter 12, which is the residential site allocations. Difficult to summarise this. Uh, yes, sorry, Chair, I, I haven't attempted to because no, of I, the wide range of... Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't think you can. Are there particular points? These are the um, individual uh, type A um, sites. I mean, we have discussed these before in actual fact. So if there are no other comments on that, I shall move on to delivery and monitoring, Chapter 14. That you possibly can summarise. Thank you, Chair. Yes, so again, this is a, uh, a chapter where we didn't receive a large number of representations, um, but some of the representations talked about um, how we monitored the policies in the plan and that we should be doing this in a, uh, a more specific manner. So I think some, there's one rep in there which talks about having smart um, smart indicators in terms of how you monitor. Um, yeah, thank you. So um, we're very conscious that we need to bring back to um, 
Planning Policy Working Group a revised uh, project plan, which will come to the next meeting. I think you're getting close to that now. Uh, but obviously, things like the water study, uh, the, the plan will be dependent on the um, outcome of that. But we absolutely need to, and we've talked to a whole host of different examples, make sure that um, each of these points uh, will be reviewed. So I'd like at the next planning policy to, um, w or, or the meeting when you're coming back with the responses, it may not be the next one, um, to also have a monitoring plan. So how can um, residents be assured? I mean, we'll say that we're going to do something. How can we prove and demonstrate that it's actually happened? So it's not all the smart principles, but it, it is one of them. Councillor Dean. Yes, it's, it's just occurred to me that um, I, I'm not sure whether in here there is uh, an intention at the moment to, in some way or other, either quantitatively or qualitatively, monitor the TCPA principles. In other words, we need, we're saying we're going to deliver new settlements to these superb standards so we need to somehow or other put those into words that we can then say did we do it or didn't we do it hopefully yeah, do, I think we did do it I think that's a good point and I'd like to include that as well and, but I mean you know, going back to Councillor Mills's point about um, uh, whether it's standard 3 or 4 or whatever um, it's yeah. broadly laid out in TCPA principles but that is a specific so it's then a cascade down from a broader principle uh, and just to to make sure that in each of the areas that that is exactly what has happened. So it is a monitoring exercise. Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, moving on to item chapter 15, the glossary. There's probably not a lot you want to say on that, is there? There were no comments on the glossary, so we'll quickly move on to late representations. I think we should just spend some time on that. Although they were late, and you weren't allowed to be late at Regulation 19, nevertheless, we've taken these ones on board. So That's right. Um, at, at the next stage, um, late representations won't be able to take, be taken into account, but at this stage, we, um, there were a limited number, and we thought it was appropriate to in include them in the appendix. Um, so uh, there's a number of reps here from uh, Essex Wildlife Trust, from Suffolk County Council and others. Um, Suffolk County Council's reps, similar to Cambridgeshire and South Kansas reps, it's about taking into account development in their area in our transport modelling. Um, and the Wildlife Trust raises a similar point about green infrastructure. Thank you. Do you want to say anything more about the Wildlife Trust? Um, so the, they make a reference to uh, green infrastructure um, they talk about a green infrastructure master plan for sites being prepared in advance of a built development master plan um, and they also talk about how, how it's all monitored and me measurable targets um, being included in the plan so for example um, key wildlife corridors particularly around Boxted Wood um, it, is, it is something that we're going to need to build in. So I just, we need to have the reassurance that uh, 
that's going to happen. Yeah, yes, that's quite right. Um, in, in the master planning work for all the three garden communities, green, the green infrastructure provision and how that works with um, existing assets on the site is something that's very much going to be built into the, to the master planning of those sites. Okay. Councillor Dean and then Councillor Barker. Could I just understand the second paragraph at the top of page 819 where it says Stansted Mountfitchett Parish Council's representation makes the same points as those made by Stansted Mountfitchett Neighbourhood Plan Group. It, it, I mean there are comments from both in the main document so what is that referring to? Uh, is, uh, it implies that they didn't send anything in until after the deadline but I'll have to get back to you on that, I'm afraid. There are, in the main report, representations from Sensor. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not certain about that. I'll have to get back to you. No, no, I'll keep quiet until you tell me. Councillor okay. okay. Parker. Chairman, it's just an overall question for the officers, actually. The comments that we've received from Historic England, from the Wildlife Trust, from... Would you say that your colleagues at other councils receive broadly the same comments? Yeah. We're not alone. We haven't. <laughs> we don't stand out as somebody who hasn't thought about these things. But uh, it, uh, don't get me wrong; it's quite right of the Wildlife Trust and Historic England, whatever, to want to protect what's best and make sure we do. Um, but uh, sometimes, it, because of the, the vastness of all of this, sometimes it feels like you're being singled out. But you can assure me that's not the case. Um. These bodies have been making similar representations to other councils um, with, with their development plans to make sure that uh, their interests are taken into account of, yes, we're, we're not alone. We're slightly alone from the Environment Agency who seem to pick and choose about on water. They don't seem to be bothered at Stansted Airport, but they are bothered with us. But anyway... Um, Right, so that was late representations. Thank you very much. That actually brings us to page 823, which is the end of this section agenda item. So unless there are any general points. So, um, as I say, well done. This is a very comprehensive summary. It's all about what happens next now. Um, Poor old Alistair's been beavering away there. Uh, and I'm just thinking how we could best summarise this, Alistair, because I think what we need is a list of, I don't know about every point that's been made, but you know the key points around air quality, around um, rapid transport, around um, um, sports strategies and, and these kind of things. I think it would be good to have a list if you... Do you feel that would be an appropriate way of doing it? Uh, yes, I think we could do that. Maybe a summary paragraph at the start of each uh, chapter we've done as well to say what the discussion was at the meeting. Yeah, I was just thinking for those who just want to see, so what did they discuss and what do they feel is important? It would be quite good because you know, there are about 20 or 30 points that you will have listed um, to, to, to have that as well. And I f I, I, I'm also, this, this question of um, when you come back with the responses, I'm starting to feel that this is a three-dimensional map in terms of the issues, the development, and the progress against each of those. 
And I, so, can you give that some thought about how we're going to have clear visibility? Otherwise, we're going to be wading through pages of stuff to see whether the, um, you, you know, the wildlife run around boxed wood has been done or hasn't been done. And it'd be quite good just to be able to see uh, on a pictorial three-way graph that, yes, that has been factored in. Um, if anybody's good at these kind of things, perhaps they can help the officers. But I think we know what we want. We, 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 and, and residents need to be able to, yeah, oh yeah, I can see my point has been picked up there and that's been duly considered. And yeah, Councillor Lees. Um, because of all the delays that we keep talking about, I think it would be really good if there was some documentation when people had been chased up. I think it needs to be seen by people that things are chased up. I'm not questioning you, but residents are, and people keep asking me why we haven't got anything back, why haven't we got the studies back, and I'm saying, oh, they're chasing it, they're chasing it. And I think people need to, to see that. And also, the people that aren't giving us the studies back when we ask, they can also see it, can't they, that we are noting that they have been chased up and asked again and again and again, because this constant delay is quite frustrating. Uh, yeah, you've only been at it uh, 18 months. The rest of some of us have been at it for seven years. But um, that make it any no, it doesn't. The, 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 the only word of consolation is that Epping have done their—I think it was Epping—have done their Regulation 18 three times. Uh, so this is this is the fault of the process rather than specifically Uttlesford, which, as Councillor Lodge and Councillor Mills will know, is something that the TCPA are doing a study on, um, using a um, asking a previous minister uh, uh, to uh, to lead that study. Um, and absolutely, it is a if you consider the money that this council has spent and multiply that by every planning authority in England you're looking at an obscene amount of money. Um, and uh, so it clearly is a process that needs radical review whilst protecting, of course, it's all about protecting the interests of all the statutory bodies, which is what we've just been wading through. So, um, yeah, we can do. As it happens, we're fairly up to date at the moment. So um, we commissioned a whole load of work off the back of this. So it's perfectly legitimate that that work is being done. There's nothing, we're not waiting for anything as such at the moment, uh, and we'll certainly flash warning signs if we are, if it goes beyond what the indicated time by the uh, professional organisation is. But yeah, we'll, 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 we'll keep that. But I'm, I'm, I'm very keen that residents, um, they're not going to read 800 pages, but they've got a summary of, uh, and I think it comes at the next stage of, 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 of what the issues are and what the responses are uh, and how they're going to be progressed. And um, I think we need to do that anyway, so I'm not asking you to do an, you know, a, a complicated piece of work. So I think we just need that visibility. Yep. Can I just come back on the, um, I, the thoughts about the, the notes of the meeting? When I think that they should be comprehensive or they should capture all the points that have been made. In some cases, you know, there's been kind of decisions to move on, but I, I mean, you and I had a meeting last, Thursday, um, last Friday where there was consideration of simplifying minutes down to, mainly down to decisions. Well, we don't make decisions, we make recommendations, but I think from a, an audit trail point of view, we should have them all captured in the notes so that we can, each, yeah. of, each of us has a, <laughs> pet issue that they want, you want to follow through. So the minutes will be in the 
the same way that we produced the last and all the previous sets of minutes, yeah. which Alistair is familiar with. But what I'm looking for is I want that list so the following areas were raised. Yeah, yes. it, it won't be by whom, but it will be a list of subjects so that if you at a glance want to see what's been raised, then you can do that as well. Yeah. Okay, well done. Uh, you've um, you got to the end of that section, but unfortunately you can't go away because item four on the agenda is... Um, Statement of Community Involvement and to consider the draft statement uh, um, for, and the recommendation is to recommend to Cabinet that the SIC, um, uh, SCI sorry, be adopted subject to the changes as set out in the report of representations. Who wants to talk? Which officer is talking to this? Okay, Mr. Miles, thank you. Thank you, Chair. So, uh, in October November of this year, Ottlesford consulted on a new draft statement of community involvement. The SCI sets out the Council's approach to consultation for planning documents and for planning applications. We received representations from 15 organisations and individuals. Appendix 1 to the covering report sets out a summary of these reps and a recommended comment and change to the SCI where appropriate, and there are a number of, of uh, relatively minor changes that we have we have recommended. Appendix 2 is a track change version of the SCI which takes into account the recommended changes from Appendix 1. Thank you. Uh, and that earlier point about um, on page 856, uh, development plan includes adopted local plans as well. I think you've answered that one, but we must keep sight of that. Yeah. Okay, comments? Well, to be fair, this is an update. I mean, you have, you have looked at um, SCIs many a time before, um, and it takes account of some of the comments. So I, I think it's, a, it's a, um, probably, I don't know whether the word is better, but, but an advanced version of what, what, what we've approved in the past. So I'd be surprised if you were uncomfortable. Okay. Everybody good? So, okay. Uh, well, well done. Uh, item five is any other item which the chairman considers to be urgent. So I think we should uh, go through some of these points in greater detail now. Um, if you can stay for that. No, well done. Uh, you got through a lot. And um, as I say, well done to officers for the, for the document. The, the real meaty one, of course, will be, uh, will be the third option, which is when we look at how we are actually responding. But um, we've, given, we've given this a very good study, which I think is, is, is quite correct. So thank you to the members of the public for staying with us. Much appreciated. Um, and um, we look forward to continuing to liaise and dialogue in the new year. Thank you. Okay, meeting closed. Thanks. Oh, and happy Christmas. Yeah, happy Christmas. Very well done, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs>